This episode of How To Wrestling was requested by John, one of our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling, where hey, if you become just a $5 backer now, you can get access to over 50 bonus episodes, including our How To Revisited series and pay-per-view reviews going all the way back to SummerSlam 2015. Sell yourselves in, folks, because it's going to be a rather epic one, I believe, this episode. But before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout-out and a plug to our buddy Jose de Gracia. He is a longtime fan of the podcast, and he's just launched a Kickstarter for his sci-fi novel, Extremis, spelled X-T-R-E-M-I-S, just like the Hardy Boys would. Jose is a professional wrestler under the name of Lucha Verde. He's also a full-time teacher, and he's also a new dad. So this Kickstarter is to help him get professional editing services, advertisements, and a physical release for this book, which he has written. So I've read some of the experts already that are available on Kickstarter. If you just Google Extremist and Kickstarter, you can check out some more information about it. But long story short, it's in the near future where the San Andreas Fault has opened up, demons are taking over the world, and cyborg ninjas are coming to help save the world. So, I mean, good lord, if that doesn't sell you on it, I don't know what will. Any donations towards it, I'm sure, will make a massive difference. That is Extremist, X-T-R-E-M-I-S. Check it out on Kickstarter. But for now, enjoy this episode. It's time for How To Stephanie McMahon. Greetings, friends, and welcome to an episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. And today is a very, very special episode. It's How To, Stephanie. We've uh, kidnapped all of our listeners in the back of a, a car now, and we're driving along an educational highway. Hello, it's me, Kevin Cowboy, that is, joined as I am always by my better half, and the lady who's learning all about the fabulous world of wrestling, Joe Graham. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm quite well, thanks. Are you excited to talk about the worst person in the history of professional wrestling? The absolute worst. I'm very excited. My standards are, are quite high for... Uh, and by high, I'm, I mean low, really. By, yeah. By how you would categorise the worst person in wrestling. It's a an industry full of truly terrible, awful, evil people in some respects. Yeah, uh, oftentimes in, in house wrestling, a lot of the people we talk about either fall into the categories of incredibly damaged or incredibly damaging. <laughs> like, yeah. There's some uh, pretty spicy customers and... Strangely enough, for some people, this might seem like uh, kind of like, wow, she's been categorized in here. Other people might be like, yeah, damn straight. She's the fucking absolute worst. This is probably one of the most divisive people we've ever done an episode about. We're talking today about our third McMahon. And I think the collection may well be complete at the end of this one. We're talking about Stephanie McMahon Helmsley, a.k.a. Stephanie McMahon Levesque. So, obviously, she's a very, very divisive character, a divisive person, I go as far to say. So, Joe, for the benefit of those who don't know what the big deal is, who is Stephanie McMahon? That's such a complicated question, isn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, there's lots to her, isn't there? There is. She's a very multifaceted woman. And not just in terms of her her personal life, who she is, but also in terms of her character. Mm. As is any McMahon, I think it's quite a complex, multi-sided coin a, f- a 4D coin, as it were. 
that rotates in space and has many sides, infinite sides. So it's basically one of those dice they use in Dungeons and Dragons, exactly. is what you're saying there. Stephanie McMahon is a D20. <laughs> so it's very difficult, obviously, yeah, as you pointed out, there's many facets to it. There is uh, Stephanie McMahon as a human being, a mm-hmm. regular person. And then there is this character that we're going to be delving into. And there's also kind of a lot of crossover, I guess, between there. Absolutely. I think the same way as there was in Vince, there's a, a blurring of the lines between real life Stephanie and corporate Stephanie and character Stephanie. And I don't think anyone really knows where one begins and the other ends. Hmm. But in terms of her personal life, we know that Stephanie McMahon is the daughter of Vince McMahon, the owner of WWE. And I would go as far as to say, if you've not listened to our Vince episodes, probably required listening before you get into here. If you're not familiar enough with Vince, I'd say, yeah, listen to that because this is going to assume prior knowledge, I guess. Yeah, definitely. There's going to be a few bits that we maybe skim over because we've already mentioned them in the Vince episode. So yeah, definitely go back and listen to that first if you haven't already. That's homework, guys. (laughs) And it's five and a half hours long. (laughs) So Stephanie, she's, as I said, she's the daughter of Vince McMahon and the daughter of Linda McMahon the sister of Shane, who oh, we've also, also done an episode so, on. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's required listening. We mainly talk about his his wrestling matches. He's not as a complex and divisive human being as Vince's. Yeah, therefore he's not not the favourite son. You know? Not the favourite son. <laughs> I don't know, there's something about this Shane kid. He's not divisive and complex enough. He's <laughs> the forgotten son, <laughs> which is fine. So as well as being daughter of a multi-billion dollar company, mm-hmm. she is also the chief brand officer of WWE. Now, you often like to use the word brand. Like You talk about wrestlers' brands, you talk about personal brands. Uh, I don't think I use the word brand to describe anything other than like brand X, like of, of types of cereal that I would buy. <laughs> so for Joe Schmo and Jane Schmo at home, what do you mean by... What's br- what brand officer? What's that job actually entail? What does she actually fucking have to do? Like, I mean, I can't even imagine what a chief brand officer of WWE would do. Because I don't think you're the chief brand officer of how to wrestle. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I would say that that's true. For something like as massive as WWE, it's almost... It's, it's hard to comprehend because there's so many elements, I'm sure, that I wouldn't even think of because yeah. I'm not in that industry. But as a whole... If you're working for a brand, it means you're working for the public face of the company. Right. So the brand is basically the image that they want to put across. So it's almost like if a company has a personality, that's what you'd refer to as a brand. Okay. So it includes things like their values, uh, like their corporate values, their ethical values, certain policies, the way they treat their employees, how much charity work they might do what colours you might associate with that brand. So is it, that's why Stephanie is always on these kind of media panels or she's always being interviewed for various... Like, if, if it's like a news company that only knows a little bit about WWE, they'll always interview, like, Stephanie or something yeah. like that. She's the reason... You know, she's on Good Morning Britain when she came <laughs> over here. And she's often the very public face of a lot of, like, the charity stuff, like the bullying campaign and Connor's Cure and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's under the umbrella of being a brand officer. Yeah, absolutely, because it's, it's the sort of work that can impact how society feels about a company right so if it's going to reflect on how a company is perceived that is to do with its brand so i know we may be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here then but could that explain in your mind anyway as to why stephanie seems to often be in some fans minds quite forcibly inserted into certain aspects of 
the WWE product. Like since 2016, there's been more of a push for for women to have more of a fair shake in terms of storylines and in terms of how the, their matches are pitched or how their characters are pitched and whatnot. Obviously, still a long ways to go. But would that explain why Stephanie is always like front and center in almost anything historic to do with with women in wrestling these days? I think she has a very special role in that not only is she obviously chief brand officer, which is quite a public-facing role anyway, but also as as the daughter of Vince McMahon. He was previously like the, the face of the company and now it's more to do with Stephanie and Triple H. But as well as that, she, she is a character in the product. And because right. wrestling is this weird... Is it fake? Is it real? Is it sports? Is it entertainment? It kind of it sits on the edge of all these different coins. A lot of coin talk today. <laughs> yes, particularly as well, I thought after the dice analogy, the coin talk would go to one side. Well, now I need a two-sided dice, and that is a coin, so... <laughs> so, yeah, I think because, because wrestling exists on this kind of, like, this blurred line, and yeah. Stephanie is, in a way, the blurred line herself, because she is, as I said, she's the daughter of Vince, a public-facing mm-hmm. character, and a owner of the company she is the chief brand officer but also a character one of the main characters in wwe wrestling yeah because i mean it's it's interesting that like she's the chief brand officer triple h was the the chief coo was his like kind of his name that they would refer to him as and it's like i think they all blur into each other as like for me like in wrestling it was like oh there's the president and then there's the owner and then there's the commissioner and then there's the general manager <laughs> and now in there it's just like oh and chief brand officer and also COO and you know, I realize some of those are wrestling positions some of those are actual genuine corporate positions that just happen yeah. to be used because it sounds cool she's coming out <laughs> with her with her entrance music saying that she's the chief brand officer no no she legitimately is and that is it it's a, it's a standard most companies will have a chief brand officer I say when they're a business of that size so yeah. that, that's not a wrestling thing that is a that's a business thing and it's a fucking like it's a I just thought I thought it's worth bearing this in mind on what her actual job is because if you you know go to YouTube and you type in Stephanie I would say almost by a factor of two to one it's Stephanie on like you know MSNBC type things or being interviewed for you know business podcasts or being interviewed you know she's constantly being interviewed or speaking on behalf of WWE to all of these kind of outlets and stuff like that. And that's kind of like almost what she's going to be known for, I feel like, in the next few years. Like, I don't know if, like, if we're going to see less of her as a character as a result of that. Because it seems to be a fucking massive job. One of which most wrestling fans, myself included, don't fully understand or grasp. <laughs> yeah, that's a, f- a fair point. So you mentioned she's the daughter of Vince McMahon. And I think we talked about it in our Shane episode. But growing up, the daughter of Vince McMahon has got to be very very challenging and trying to find out about stephanie's kind of her real life as opposed to the kayfabe story that's told you know it is quite difficult and we we try to source out a few interviews along the way to try and find out a little bit snippets about that stephanie went to an incredibly exclusive like elementary prep school like apparently it's the one where like you know future presidents go to in, in stanford and connecticut but then she went to regular high school so she did have a mix of like a very privileged upbringing and then kind of a a normal kind of entry in, into school life. Yeah, I remember her saying in an interview that she she suffered a bit of bullying in, yes, her, apparently. in the private school apparently that she attended, the really fancy one. She was bullied quite a lot by the other kids because of her link to wrestling. Everyone knew her, who her father was and I think the wrestling industry is very much looked down upon by a lot of circles. Oh yeah, and I mean, we talked in, in the Vince episode, we talked in, in many episodes about 
particular periods in time in wrestling where it wasn't the coolest thing to be associated with wrestling. And if you think about around when Stephanie would have been in those skills, you're talking like 1992, 1993, when business is taking a big downturn. And as well as that, her father is being indicted for a steroid scandal by the federal government. Yikes. Which I think is one of the most formative things that's ever happened to Stephanie McMahon as a person. That whole... You know, they're coming to get us, you know, because the, the, her, her father got sued by the federal government. And, like, the reason I feel that's, like, a, a big cornerstone of her is that she always, like, talks about being a fighter and, like, wanting to be like her dad and her dad's a fighter and people always try to take her dad down. He always fought and was strong. Total fucking dad worship, I think, we'll, oh, we, we yeah. can say. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's quite, quite evident. But when they did their 9-11 tribute show... And everyone, like, if you wanted to talk about your feelings about 9-11, they, like, broadcast a day or two afterwards. Everyone was very shook. People who knew people who were in the towers were, were talking and stuff, being very, very eloquent and very, very emotive. People bawling their eyes out, like, you know, and it was really, really touching. And then Stephanie sits down. This is the middle of a 9-11 episode, and she goes, In 1993, the federal government decided they wanted to try and destroy my father and my family business. But we came together as a whole and we were strong through that. Much in the same way the terrorists are going after America oh, now. Oh my God. And like, it's moments like that where you kind of, you can kind of see that a lot of maybe the corporate stuff we've talked about there is almost like kind of a bit of a facsimile almost. Yeah. Like, it feels like she knows that there's meant to be a, an out, a way she's meant to present herself and whatnot. And I feel like deep down some of her feelings might be a little bit perturbed and weird. Particularly when you think, hear things like that. Like, that really is alarming to me, her comparing 9-11 to her dad's, you know, being accused of distributing steroids. It's so tasteless. It is, and... Like, just rule of thumb. Don't compare the death of anyone to a thing you've experienced. Just don't risk it. Yeah. Even if you've experienced, like, a death, you can't really compare those things. Yeah. It's just to steer clear of the whole thing. And that is how you win a grief top trumps. You don't just go in <laughs> with your big top card straight away, Stephanie. It's very, very difficult that way. But yeah, she did mention, you know, of course, in those interviews that she had a hard time, I think, growing up in, in that environment. I know Shane has said as well in interviews that he had to kind of... He felt he had to protect Stephanie as a result of that because... He uh, saw that she was getting, you know, hassle in school and things like that. And he felt like the big brother, you have to like look after your little sister and all that. So I think it's interesting that their kind of upbringing almost got, like a mirror was held up to it later on, on television and things like that. In what respect? In that Shane would often play a character who felt like he had to protect Stephanie and whatnot and look out for her and have her best interests in mind. And oftentimes become a controlling figure as a result of that. I see. So like, she had like kind of a sheltered upbringing in some senses, I think. But in the other way, I feel she was like bred to have that McMahon family fire or fighting spirit or whatever it is inside of her because... You know, you grow up and your dad is Vince McMahon, you're going to see a lot of fucking shit. And I imagine her family was attacked quite a lot, like, and sued a whole shitload when she was a kid. I just can't even imagine how stressful it must be to be the kid of Vince. Oh, God. I mean, like, I've got a scar on my forehead and I had to go to, like, I had to go to court and shit like that when I was, like, five or six to to testify and be looked at. And I, honestly, like, I remember like, I would have like, nightmares about it when I was 12 and not know why, because I didn't fully understand why. It was just obviously something that was very stressful. Can't imagine what that's like when there's like dad declaring like bankruptcy and, you know, shit like Vince's backstory, as we said, very fucking tumultuous in the early years. It's got to be really fucking like, yeah, it's got to make your upbringing 
very, very strange, I would say, in some respects. Yeah, absolutely. And why would you describe the relationship between her and Vince? Oh, like? do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. We won't talk about how Vince views Steph. Maybe that's something for a little bit. But in terms of Steph's view of Vince, how would you say? She worships him. She loves him to pieces. She's like loves the ground he walks on it's it's sweet to an extent and then it's kind of creepy where's the point it becomes creepy well the point becomes really creepy is how vince feels about steph to be honest <laughs> so it's, it's only through vince's rec- you know, feelings towards steph that steph's feelings towards vince in context seem creepy i don't think the way steph loves her father is inappropriate per se i do think maybe her worship of him is misplaced mm. he's maybe not the best role model i think like the analogy we've drawn before is between Stephanie and Ivanka Trump. Oh, God, 100%, yeah. And then, yeah, she definitely worships the ground that her father walks on, but also is probably savvy enough to know that if she was just to emulate what her father does, it would not go down well, mm. given who she is or her position. So it's kind of tweaked a little bit. The difference between Ivanka and Stephanie, though, I think, is that Ivanka, deep down, actually hates Donald Trump and... Yeah thinks he's a stupid idiot and she could do far better than him. Whereas I don't think Stephanie believes that necessarily yeah. as much. I think she probably thinks she could do better than Vince, mm. but I think she still thinks that he's an absolute hero and yeah. he's done such a great job and she wouldn't have done anything differently or whatever. As we'll get into, I think most of Stephanie's kind of career in many respects is trying to kind of like live up to her father's expectations mm. in, a, in a very kind of real way. So early days with Stephanie, you know, you can see pictures of her like age three or four in the arms of like Andre the Giant. Like it was like straight away, like she was backstage. She was in that world of wrestling, fully immersed in it. And she like was even involved. We saw a clip way, way, she was like maybe six or seven years old. They did like uh, her first appearance at WTV was way back in the 80s when Rowdy Roddy Piper, the nasty heel, was having trick-or-treaters coming to his house. I hate those trick-or-treaters, always wanting candy, all dressed up in their costumes. And uh, Roddy, to uh, circumvent this, was wrapping bowling balls in cellophane, pretending that they're candy. (sighs) And Stephanie was one of the trick-or-treaters on camera there. Yeah, she's very cute. Yeah, I mean, there's something about cute young Steph and then like bright red, profusely sweating Roddy Piper going, I hate trick-or-treaters and Halloween and candy. That's, I don't know. I think I'd be terrified. I think at that age, Roddy Piper being exposed to him, a little bit much. You reckon? <laughs> Fucking scary, I man. think he's great around kids. You think? Yeah. The, all that energy, like. Yeah, kids love that. Kids love kilts. You yeah. Know? And they love, they love adults who don't like them. Oh, that's true as well. You know, Roddy was definitely a good villain to play off children. Uh, Also as well, I have to point this out. I found this. Young Stephanie McMahon in the WWF catalogue modelling the Rockers t-shirt. A young Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. It's uh, like she's wearing her dad's t-shirt. It's way too big for her. Yeah. And apparently age 12 or 13, she was like answering phones in Titan Towers she was like, they put her to work, like, she was always working in some capacity it's in the bit, company. It's a bit sad, really, isn't it? Because you think about normal children yeah. who get to have a childhood, and you, you know, think back to a nice, happy childhood, and it's kind of like playing with your friends, and Answering spending so maybe out, time outside. And, like, obviously, it's, it's a lot of kids' dreams come true to hang out with all their dream wrestlers. But I think if you've grown up in it, it's not going to be as exciting and mysterious as it is for like the average person. Yeah. And I just think answering phones at the age of 12, I mean, sure, you're going to instill great business sense into them, but yeah. 
is that really worth it? I don't know. It's it's hard to say because, you know, it, it seems that the only thing Steph has ever really wanted to do was to be in, in wrestling, you wow. know? Because even when she was in college, she did internships at WWE, like, you know, she's doing various things, you know, for them. She did, like, uh, some creative design work. She did loads, like, backstage things. Like, you can see, if you see any backstage footage from, like, the, the late 90s, she's always around there in some capacity learning the business. I think in the interview we watched, the Howard Stern one, she did mention she wanted to be, a, like, a dancer at one point. Yeah, she mentioned that when she was much younger, she wanted to be a dancer and she ended up injuring her knee. Mm. So she, she couldn't be a dancer and then she changed her mind she wanted to be a choreographer, which I think is so cool. What a cool future we might have if Stephanie ends up taking a larger role at WWE. Maybe she could bring some of her Choreography. dance influence. I'm just saying, since the beginning of this podcast, I've been saying how much wrestling and dance needs to come together. Yeah, and if you need any more evidence of that the halftime heat nxt match from 2019 was pretty much the most spectacular piece of interpretive dance i've ever seen (laughs) well said (laughs) before long stephanie was shown on television as a character and she was being used like most of the mcmahon children as a prop in vince mcmahon's storyline because the undertaker wanted to take over the world wrestling federation in 1999 and he said that he was going to like you know have a sacrifice and get Vince where it really hurts and Stephanie started appearing then on screen and this is not the Stephanie McMahon that we're maybe used to seeing on screens now I mean how would you describe early good guy Steph oh she's adorable which I feel weird about saying about a 23 year old woman (laughs) (laughs) but she looks about 12 it's amazing she she's got these big bright innocent eyes she looks permanently like she's on the verge of tears and the only place I really feel safe is with my dad she's a great actor is Steph like, she's fucking great yeah. one of the best I mean yeah it's it's not often you see someone who so convincingly can play the sweet innocent wide-eyed girl and then also play the vindictive villain at the same time yeah. as a kid like when I would watch this I would have been like maybe 10 years old I was pre-pubic pre any interest in anything so this Stephanie character has been pitched as like virtuous nice young girl I thought she was like the sweetest I thought she was really nice and I would just wish that everything would work out for her I was genuinely scared on her behalf Aww. that all the wrestlers were always trying to kidnap her or put her in a black wedding with the undertaker so you think if you'd been post-pubic maybe that wouldn't have been the case I don't know I, I don't I <laughs> Because I, I feel kind of, even knowing now that Stephanie is a, you know, it, obviously it's not real. Yeah. Stephanie is a successful businesswoman who is thriving. Even then, I still felt a bit frightened on her behalf in this segment. Yeah, I, I guess I was trying to say not that I now have a, an attraction towards people being kidnapped and putting into black weddings. It was more from the viewpoint that she, I think she was almost like a first wrestling crush in a, in a weird oh, way. Oh, really? But in a totally non-sexual way, it was just like, oh, she's sweet. Like, I remember like running down the stairs to tell my mum and dad, like, Test and Stephanie are going to get married. I can't. I'm going to have to have dinner late on Friday because I have to. I've got to go watch this. They put an ad in USA Today. I'm invited. I got to go. I'm the wedding party. I didn't know any of this little pre-pubic crush on Stephanie. Tell me more. I just. I don't know. They did things like her. Tess was her her on-screen boyfriend. And so how long did that happen for? It was like maybe three or four months on TV there. A short relationship to get married. A short relationship to get married. 
kids. But a lot of stuff happened. You should at least live with your partner for two or three years before you marry them. And of course, as well, when you are getting married, make sure the storyline's not written by Vince Russo because <laughs> a lot of things happen along the way. Now, broad strokes, long story. Tess and Stephanie got together and Vince is like, you can't date a wrestler. And she's like, but dad, he's nice. And he's like, yeah, dad, come on, I'm nice. And then Shane is like, I don't know. And Shane and Tess fight. And then Shane's like, you know what? He's all right by me. You don't have to marry the Mean Street Posse. You can marry. What? Oh, he wanted Stephanie to go out with Joey Abs from the Mean Street Posse. I thought you meant like she had to marry the whole posse. <laughs> like some kind of harem. Well, they're all like kind of a roughly equivalent of a third of a man each. Aww. So, you know, together, they might make a pretty decent husband. Like Poor Mean Street Posse. Then they had, like, that Steph proposed to Test because she's like, I'm going to do it away with tradition. I'm going to propose to you. And I always remember when she proposed, Jim Ross went, Atta girl! Atta girl! She loves him! Yeah! Aww. And, you know, this is during a time where it was, like, Steve Austin and The Undertaker and Kane and Mankind and a lot of very vicious storylines. This is like the one little bit of sweetness that we were getting along the way. But, of course, because Vince Russo was writing the storyline, at one point, Steph did get amnesia and forgot about Test. How did she get amnesia? Right, so there was a wrestler called the British Bulldog, mm. right? And he really, and he really wanted a title shot. He, right. he wanted a title shot really badly. Okay. So at one of the WWE pay-per-views in the UK, he came into Vince's locker room where Stephanie was and Shane as well, and he said, "Where's my title shot?" And he picked up a bin and he threw it off screen, and everyone went, "Hey, David!" And then Stephanie, off camera, had been hit with the bin by the Bulldog demanding his title shot and then Stephanie when she came out of her coma was like coma oh well she was knocked out you know for ages and then she came out of it she was like oh I don't remember anything and and Tess is like but we're still getting married right and she's like who is this man and he's like she doesn't even recognize me anymore man ah amnesia storyline see now this is when I would have written it to be like Triple H comes in and is like yeah Stephanie we're actually married uh, I'm Tess <laughs> yeah I'm Tess we're we kind of look alike you, know? <laughs> you don't hey. remember but we're in love and then of course because it was a Vince Russo storyline uh, it just kind of got wrapped up it's just like oh no she remembers now it's alright and let's get married <laughs> Okay, so we're just going to forget about the fact that Stephanie obviously has a severe concussion from the age of... How old is she supposed to be here? She was like in her early 20s, yeah. Yeah, but how old is she supposed to be? I mean, she was pitched like she was 18 or 19. Like, she was... Pro- like, they, they... They went... F- this weird thing that they do sometimes where they want an innocent character and they infantilize them quite a lot. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, the Undertaker stole my teddy bear, daddy. And he's like, oh, don't worry, Stephanie. We'll keep you safe and you'll have all the toys you want. Like, it was, it was a little bit... A little uh, bit. She watched, She did. I didn't think she was twenty three when I was when I was still, watching. Still, what nineteen year old wants a, a vast collection of teddy? I oh, forget it. I do. Yeah, I still, <laughs> I'm only thirty and I never say no to teddy bears. How many teddy bears have we got in this a house? Few. We got quite Shut a few. Shut up, Kevin. <laughs> you bought oh, many. Oh, people for... are going to think I have some kind of weird collection. <laughs> no, no. What's going to happen is the Undertaker is going to know exactly how to get to you. <laughs> He's going to grab one of your teddy bears and set it on fire, and then I'll drop to my knees, be no, Undertaker. <laughs> It's okay, you can marry Joanna in a black wedding. (laughs) Right, so after they realised that she didn't have uh, amnesia anymore... But still has a concussion, obviously. Oh, deep dive though. This is serious, right? Sometimes people who have severe head trauma can actually have a personality change afterwards. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I don't know. Maybe I'm giving Vince Russo <gasps> oh too much credit. Oh, my God. But the point at which maybe she got hit with a bin was where she was like, oh my God. fuck that. Let's start scheming. Oh, my God. Yeah? Because scheming does start happening, right? You're totally right with that. Oh, my God. And we'd like to thank Mr. Vince Russo for the slow burn. Dave's <laughs> uh, not going to figure it out for 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> they'll call me a genius. I'll be old and grey, but they'll call me a genius nonetheless. <laughs> and wow, where's my title shot bulldog really did have a ripple effect on the whole. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have our chief brand officer as we know it. Like you it's, know? it's true. It's true. You know what? I think the best thing with wrestling is that you can add your own meaning to shit like yes, this absolutely make it make whatever sense you feel it needs to because wrestling half of the time doesn't actually care to explain itself the best performers or the best writers i think always do a storyline where there is just enough leeway where you can fill in those blanks you're right vince russo is one of the best <laughs> writers that wrestling has ever had sometimes it could just be that so much shit has been thrown against the wall some of it theoretically could have stuck but it's theoretical shit, so you can't actually see. And people might disagree as to whether it's, it's stuck right, or not. It's because if you stand like a few metres away and squint and tilt your head at the same time and close one eye, it kind of looks like shit. <laughs> stuck. So we went headfirst into some fucking deep dive romance. This ain't a match, but this is uh, getting a main event segment nonetheless. Stephanie McMahon versus Test in a wedding. Yep. <laughs> we watched the whole segment. Now, I've shown you a little bit of this before when we did How Two Couples Live where I think I fake proposed to you four times, perhaps? I forget. Yeah, but needs to say, if if I was to marry you or when we get married, I promise you, now this is my solemn vow as a podcaster, I will not do what Triple H does in this wedding. Guarantee you. Okay, thanks. You know, it's not going to happen. And uh, I won't do that to you because obviously what actually happens here is Stephanie controls the whole thing. Of course! And, and actually it's all her idea. So really... In order to do that, I would have to marry someone else. Or oh, don't plan do to marry that. Someone else, and then yeah, you have to you have to say you're going to marry someone else, and then I come out at the reception. And I say there will be no wedding here tonight, and then I come out with my videotape. Yeah, broad strokes, Joe. What happens in this wedding with Stephanie? And test. Okay, so at this point, we don't know that Stephanie is involved in this. No, right? she's just getting married to the apple of her eye. Yeah. I feel bad as well for having spoiled it for the people who maybe didn't realise that that is what happens. Spoiler for season 13 of wrestling, but Triple H and Steph end up together. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 20 year old angle, but spoilers. What? Spoilers! So, Stephanie and Tess are standing there under the. What do you call it? Archway? Whatever. And there's some terrible singers singing. What are they singing? Together. Oh, yeah. We'll always be together. Forever. We'll always be together. Together. Now, this is pure fucking horrible, cheesy 90s bliss. It's the second worst thing I've ever heard. And also, have to point out, Testing the perspiration here. Oh, bless him. Poor lad. <laughs> he had to wrestle a match. For his wedding gift to be married to Stephanie, Vince says, you get to wrestle Triple H in the main event, pal. Lucky you. Yay. And then you have to put on a very big tuxedo and come out. Also as well, if I don't get entrance music at our wedding, I'll be very pissed off. Like You can get entrance music if you wrestle an opponent of my choice before we okay. take our vows. Well, actually, technically your dad is the one who should arrange that. Like It's up to the father of the bride 
to arrange the main event match. Oh, careful. He's a fan of Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. <laughs> I don't know what he'd try and They're arrange. They're both dead. An easy win. Like, I'll just like, slide <laughs> on top of the coffin for a quick one, two. Oh, come on. Not this way. <laughs> uh, disgusting display as cowboy Kevin Mann has pinned a corpse here in a wedding. He may as well have urinated on his grave. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> so... They're about to take their vows. They've had this this song. Triple H comes out with the VHS tape, which which makes Tess sweat even more. Yeah. So oh yeah, Tess is sweating. He's poor lad. He's soaked. He seems to be quite enjoying. Both of them seem to be quite enjoying the song. I felt. Yeah. And I think that Tess looks at Stephanie with a bit of genuine love during this bit. Oh, it's so sad, like because. Like IRL, the test was my cousin's favorite wrestler. I remember, I remember the whole time it was kind of like, oh, that's good. You know, you've got a you've got a real good fave to have there. Things are looking up for Test. You know, Marion Stephanie. You know, that's that's big news. Like, good for him. Like, God, who knows? Test might be running things someday. Oh, and like, yeah. After this, not much. I mean, yeah, not much happens. But the highlight of Test's career is that he was one of the two men who got to lift Trish Stratus into the ring after this. Like, you know, he didn't really have much of an upward tilt afterwards. Poor Test. So. Triple H, as I said, he comes out with his tape and he starts playing it and it's a clip of of Triple H in a car in Vegas driving towards the... Is it called the Love Tunnel? It's the the Little White Chapel. The Love Tunnel within the Little White Chapel. Right, which is a iconic, very famous location in Vegas where people can go and get, like, cheap weddings. Pretty, pretty good rates. You know, yeah. you can get a couple of roses chucked in for a, for a decent rate. It seems they actually show when Triple H drives through some of the rates there, and they do look really good. You can get like like there's a little sexy um, oh a little garter garter yeah, yeah thrown in thrown in with some roses. That's not so bad. Um, do you want to get married in Las Vegas twenty years ago? Can we get an? I'll Elvis... be eleven. It'll be a bit weird. <laughs> can we get an Elvis impersonator. Yes, please. Several. I want a choir of Elvis impersonators. I would like a female Elvis impersonator. Make it happen. I want. It, I want Vegas, to see it. I think it can happen. Anything can happen in Vegas. <laughs> so, so Triple H, he's got Stephanie in his car, and she's unconscious, like properly unconscious, drugged. Yeah, drugged. And he's driving up, and he comes across this priest, and she's all like, "Oh, you're here to get married, are you?" And he's like, "Yeah, I've got my." future wife next to me <laughs> uh, I want to get married but make it speedy quick because I want to get out of here the drugs and... are wearing up hurry up and marry us already <laughs> yeah he's in a right rush and she's like whoa okay um, she tries to talk to Stephanie and she's like trying to get the vows out of her like and do you Stephanie McMahon take Paul Levesque to be your husband and then Triple H like turns around so she can't see his mouth and he's like Yes, I do. I'm Stephanie McMahon. Now that's a really great impression of Stephanie McMahon, like you know, both from you and Triple H. Like, Not that it pitch matters. Perfect, like this priest doesn't know Stephanie, probably. She, yes, yeah, she may sound like Triple H talking like this. She wasn't. How is she to know? She's not a wrestling fan. So they speed through the ceremony, which, by the way, is taken in place with the priest standing outside of Triple H's car and Triple H in the driving seat with Stephanie in the passenger seat, unconscious. It's a very weird picture. Yeah, it is very, very alarming. <laughs> they race through the vows. They're married. Somehow this priest absolutely gives no shit about consent or ethics. No, baby, it's Vegas. This is marital rape here. This is terrible. Yeah. And then he just drives off. Then we cut back to the wedding and like Steph is bawling her eyes off. Like, I hate you. It's... 
oh my god what again what a performance like yeah both her and Tess like Tess is like all fucking pissed off Tess he's, looks like, legitimately heartbroken it helps that he's sweating so much it looks like he's crying Tears, like yeah. you know so then Triple H says the most disgusting thing I think I've actually I was gonna say the most disgusting thing I've seen in wrestling but actually Triple H has been involved in a more disgusting thing with Katie Vick yeah so his clothes are on and he's not simulating the, the, the rape of a corpse like crushing him person's brains in his hands ah i forgot about that bitch so triple h then says and i bet you want to know how many times we consummated the marriage oh, it's, it's not if but how many times oh, sorry <laughs> implying it was a lot of times yeah uh, implying like, she was unconscious as yeah. well maybe uh yeah triple h in kayfabe can we just all agree, like, he is a bit of a rapist, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. They it did a comes whole... up a lot in his character. It, it does, particularly with DX and all that. And I'm even aware of that. It's, it's something that was used a bit much, I think, in this period of time. Was, was I think they thought they were being edgy, and it more often than not came off as in poor taste. And, like, this is, this is an angle which... I've struggled with a bit because I remember as a kid really enjoying this angle and being completely swerved. Like, I was devastated by this. Absolutely devastated. I couldn't believe this had happened. I thought Triple H... It was the first time I thought Triple H was like, I wanted to see him get beat up. I used to be quite bored by him, but I wanted to see him get his comeuppance for this. Yeah, he ruined your OTP's marriage. And Cousin Owen, unbelievable... His, his kettle was boiled after what happened with Tess. Like, you know? <laughs> so very, very upset by that. But like... I remember we, me and Billy reviewed this actual episode of Raw for the Attitude Era podcast because we thought it was such a significant moment, this big storyline. And we just kind of were like, oh, this angle's great. And we didn't really think about maybe the context of what it was showing. And I think because they inevitably reveal to you that Stephanie and Triple H are in on it together, that I was like, well, it's okay then that they very much implied all of this stuff pretty sure when they were writing it knowing specifically as well who was writing it mm-hmm. i don't think they were like oh but it's going to be okay though because steph's in on it steph's in on it no mm-hmm. that is a very much in hindsight steph is in on it wouldn't it be great if yeah. instead of it just being triple h raping your daughter over and over again that she maybe is some agency in this yeah yeah it was um it was one that I've struggled with, but I don't know, like watching it now, maybe in the context of all of it, what, like for, for someone not seen it before, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, it's definitely tasteless. Yeah. There's no denying that. I mean, I, I watched it trying my hardest to believe that they knew this was the direction they were going to take it all along. Did it seem that way? No. <laughs> it, at, at points, it almost seemed that way. Like there yeah. are certain points where Stephanie almost looks like there's a bit of a twinkle in her eye. But that could also just be her being like in love with Test, or yeah. or tears of horror because Triple H has just drugged her and married her against her will. Mm. I don't know. It's it is he's very tasteless, absolutely. And yeah, I think yeah. on its own, it really on its is own, jarring. Yeah, it's it's horrible on its own. I think for the sake of of it being a bit more reassuring, let's all collectively say that maybe let's hope that Stephanie was involved from the beginning just because it's a really horrible thing to think about otherwise I don't like it Stephanie is like I don't say she's an apologist but she's like you know she, she's talked about all these angles and she thinks they're all great like yeah, you it's know it's a very cavalier attitude yeah. I think towards like 
I don't know, sex crimes. I mean, we did watch the follow-up from this then. So uh, they have a match, Triple H and uh, Vince, at the Armageddon pay-per-view, like, the night, the, the week after this. And the idea is that if Vince wins, that Triple H will annul the marriage to Stephanie. That's like, you know, it's great that divorce laws come a long way now, yeah. you know, that you don't have to uh, have a match anymore to, to get divorced. I think we're, we're making slow progress there, to be sure, <laughs> like, you know, slowly but surely inching our way forward, like... And at the end of that match, you had Stephanie cost Vince the match and then embrace Triple H and they start kissing as Vince is all like bloody and like, oh no. So what I showed Joe after this was Stephanie's kind of coming out promo as a heel, as a villain, revealing to Vince that this was a scheme between her and Triple H the whole time. And we get to see heartbreaking, heartbroken Vince wince up as her daughter tells him how she'd been plotting it for months because that Vince had used her as a pawn in his war with Steve Austin and had her kidnapped and because it was me Austin all along that meant that he was actually the one who had The Undertaker try and marry her and all that so she's like I'm gonna get you back yeah I feel we need to maybe draw back around on that because you've summed it up very quickly and I feel Sorry. Like it's a bit of a confusing thing I mean wrestling is very easy to follow at the best <laughs> I found this so confusing so okay. let's rewind back yeah. to when Stephanie was kidnapped by The Undertaker mm-hmm. as we mentioned a few minutes ago where to Stephanie one of yeah. Stephanie's many many weddings yeah <laughs> so undertaker kidnaps stephanie yeah and at the time vince is all like ah no my daughter's been kidnapped yeah and then stone cold steve austin comes in and rescues her mm-hmm. and all is okay and vince is very grateful yes but like two weeks after vince then reveals actually it was him mm-hmm all along, which makes no sense. It, that, that's in a way even worse than than this other wedding, which is obviously retrospectively yeah. been changed. Okay. Oh. I think the 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 excuse they're going to come up with here is that Vince McMahon wanted to get Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that at was, any price, at any price, there was no price too high. To, for Vince to pay, and he would do anything to make sure that Steve Austin's life was a living hell. Now it seems to me. If you're trying to come up with new ways to bother Steve Austin, yeah, you don't have to jump immediately to I'll just put my daughter in a position where she's kidnapped by a demonic beast and married to him against her will. We well, see he tried everything else already, right? He, he had no had he really. He, he had tried sending all these different wrestlers to try and take the title away from Austin and, and screw him around. Right, so he's going to try different wrestlers wrestling stone cold and then he's just going to jump to kidnap my daughter yes because that would make steve austin think then that he that would make steve austin then uh, trust vince to way think that well because no, i saved wouldn't. his daughter vince is gonna like not be able to get me and that's like now we can really get him proper get that him. makes no sense why would he not be able to get vince just because he rescued vince's daughter because like he he not that he would not suspect Vince of trying to screw with him. It was to like try and lower Steve Austin's guard, like and get Steve Austin to 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 show a little humanity and whatnot. Did it work? Not really, no, because no. as soon as Vince revealed that it was him all along, Steve Austin was made the CEO of the WWF, which kind of threw a spanner in the works a little bit. That must have been the real nail in the coffin for Stephanie. Like not only did her dad arrange for her to be kidnapped by the Undertaker, married against her will. But then it all fucked up and it was for no reason whatsoever. And yeah. he actually ended up losing his job as a result. So yeah, one thing if you're like, well, dad, you got the promotion. We got the new summer house. It's okay. But now Steve Austin's the CEO, you big Aegis. Yeah, your plan sucks. Maybe that's part of the reason why then she planned this thing with Triple H is to prove that she could plan 
angles like this better than him. I think because that was one of the things where she was like, she wanted to outsmart her father and her family and whatnot it's, and be one step ahead of them. I mean, it's more impressive for sure than what Vince did. I, I personally, if I was in Vince's shoes, I'd have maybe tried blackmailing Steve Austin. Ooh. Or um, firing him. Or divert every beer truck away from any arena that they were yeah. going so Steve Austin would have to dry out. Like I'd maybe call the police when he assaulted him. <laughs> yeah, I think he did do that once or twice, yeah. But then Austin just came out in a cop car or whatever, or a SWAT Wait, van. Wait, he the police on his side? Austin's pretty much Grand Theft auto reels like if you take him away he'll come back in the vehicle of the place you're taking him to like so it's 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 a difficult one you know trust me it's easier said than done to stop stone cold steve austin it's very easy retrospectively to question the choices that vince made i just at the time it was the best best plan that he no, had i just i don't think he tried everything I think he kind of jumped the gun a bit and went straight to kidnap my daughter. I mean, maybe he just thought in kayfabe it would be good for Stephanie's career, like to get a bit of TV time, get kidnapped. You know, it's pretty good. Like, you know, get some sympathy going for you. Like, you it's know. a it's a strengthening exercise. <laughs> it makes the kids tough. Yeah, exactly. Right. Maybe Shane was arranged to be uh, kidnapped at some point. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, Shane didn't get kidnapped. But I mean, this whole then promo where she then says you know the reason why i've betrayed you the reason why i'm with triple h is because you used me in this fucking stupid war with steve austin and even though vin like i think almost the fact that you've pointed out that that vince's plan is so rubbish that if anything strengthens the story with stephanie because yeah. it's like yeah she was used in a really cack-brained fucking plan yeah like anyone with half a brain cell could work out this is a terrible idea and she's a a child. Okay, she's not really a child at this point, but she's made out to be almost like a child. She's young and naive. She's yeah. vulnerable for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's a stupid idea. This fucking promo, though. Oh, it's oh a great promo. Oh my god! Like I remember just being like really like perturbed as a kid. Not like I remember actually feeling quite like sad and depressed at the time, Aww. just thinking like she had just become so evil. And when she came out and she's like, the reason I'm with Triple H is. He was so aggressive. The way he stood up to you and domineered you and put you in your place. He really turns me on. And it's Vince the way is like, she says it. He really turns me on. And she like says it over her shoulder with a big smile. And Vince does the big fucking like. And then she also says, I'm not daddy's little girl anymore. Which gets a very big gulp from Vince. Yeah. It's a fabulous performance from her. And the fact she went from being one character to another very quickly with a lot of storyline justification. We said in the Attitude Era podcast, and I still think it stands today, it's one of the best cases of character development that the WWE has ever done, I think. Yeah, you definitely. Know, of taking weird storylines and funneling them into a character change. And this sets off Stephanie and Triple H then as being this kind of like power couple on screen. And they rule with an iron fist as the McMahon-Helmsley regime for pretty much a year, year and a half thereabouts. Where Stephanie was playing this really kind of obnoxious, bratty villain character alongside Triple H. And you'd have Triple H being like a total sadist in the ring. And then him and Stephanie being really like nauseatingly sweet. Like they'd come out in the middle of someone else's match and sit on the ramp and like feed each other grapes. Oh my you god. Know? Stuff like that. It was really... Or like Triple H would, you know, have all like a room of flowers for, for Stephanie. And then like go out and kill Mick Foley in the ring, you know. Wow. And let her, let her slap him for him. You know, it's stuff like that. It was really like Bonnie and Clyde type of a thing. I hated it as a kid. Hated it, hated it, hated it. I hated it so much. Really? Absolutely despised Stephanie McMahon. 
so much. That's so interesting that you went from like childhood crush on nice little Stephanie yeah. to I cannot hate her more. I know, and this is funny as well, right? During that period then where I would have become maybe more interested in various female characters and performers because I was becoming a horny young teenage boy. Stephanie, no, absolutely not. I hate her. She had betrayed my trust, I felt like, as a kid. Wow. So I've got a question about Triple H's involvement then. Yeah. Why did Stephanie in kayfabe choose Triple H to be the one to kidnap and marry her? Because Triple H was like involved in a big feud with Vince at the time. Right. And that was the whole thing is like Triple H like felt that Vince was screwing him over and stopping him from becoming the champion. So he was like you know, he was doing also he was doing horrible things. He threw Shane off the Titan Tron. He like he went to beat up Linda McMahon once. He what? Did, he had Vince and Triple H had this quite a scathing feud leading up to this point where Vince was the good guy and Triple H was was the bad guy. So this was kind of it was more quite powerful because it was like, yes, Vince is good now, but remember he was a real piece of shit three months ago. Right. So it kind of worked in that sense. But what is interesting about this, and again, we have to bring it up. This is one of the moments now where we're talking about kayfabe stuff, but then a little bit of real life gets mixed in here. The timeline gets a little bit hazy here because Triple H and Stephanie are on screen married and in love with each other. But in real life, they're not meant to be. Triple H is going out with... China. China, yeah. And at this point, I would say, China, I think our episode on China is... is is definitely recommended listening for her side of things for her side of things yeah, yeah. for this particular yeah whole messy situation the tr- the official story so to speak Steph and Triple H started working together on camera and then a chemistry was noticed between them they they kind of noticed that they had like they were getting on very very well and people noticed it as well that they seemed to be you know have a bit of chemistry and they start seeing each other. Triple H was not seeing China at this point in time. They've been living apart. And it's okay that Stephanie and Triple H got together. No feelings were hurt. Huh. China was under the illusion, perhaps, that her and Triple H were still in a relationship. And feelings were hurt along the way. And it's regrettable. But they very much loved each other. But I don't think they think they've done anything wrong. Well, I mean, that is a lie of a story as well. Like, yeah. It's not even true. That, that's not what I think, by the no, way. That's just kind of... their version. Their version. And their version has changed a little bit over the years. Some details come in here and there. Like, you do, there is a point, apparently, where Vince told them, I don't, you don't have my blessing. This is fucked up. This is weird. Stop seeing each other. And they stopped seeing each other. And then they got back together again later than that. And then Vince did give them their blessing. Yeah, I don't believe that they actually broke up at that point. You really? It's yeah. kind of saying that they did. But, sure, Daddy. Mm. I won't see Triple H anymore. Sorry to do a silly Stephanie impression. The thing here is that, like, they're making it that the biggest friction was between Triple H and Vince, or Stephanie and Vince, because Vince doesn't want Stephanie to date any of the wrestlers. You know, that that's that. Like, it just doesn't happen. It was a yeah. thing in kayfabe, it's a thing in real life as well. But I think the reality was is that the real, probably, conflict was between China and Stephanie and China and Triple H. Yeah, I don't even know if conflict is necessarily what actually happened. Mm. I mean, definitely, there, I mean, there was conflict, but I, I'm not sure if it was as, as dramatic and blown up as people maybe think it was. It wasn't if there was big, like, backstage brawls or people no. pulling each other's hair out or fucking screaming and shouting. I don't think there was many, if any, verbal or confrontations between these three. Well, I think there was a bit of a one between Triple H and China, yeah. but not necessarily with anything to do with Stephanie at this right. point. So the version of events as I have come to understand it is that Triple H and Stephanie started working together. I think 
I think they started hooking up much earlier than people think. Absolutely. Like, and yeah. much, much earlier than they would ever admit to. I think they admit that it was like maybe late 2000s or whatever. Mm. But all I'll just say is for me and Adam from watching every episode of SmackDown on SmackDown Crawl, and um, by week three, they go from being kind of like pretending to be like, you can see them like they're holding they hands. They are so into each the other. The way they look into each other. And you know what, as well, in terms of fantasy roleplay for the two of them. This is probably taking all their boxes. Oh my God, can you imagine? Because the stuff that Stephanie is saying about, you know, her father is such a fucking son. Like, you know, she's a a word there, but like, he's the center of her universe in terms of forming her. And yeah, I mean, fucking hell, the storyline of like this fucking tall muscle guy who's like beating down your fucking dad and you know you you and him together take over their company and run it to serve your own means and by the way he's left a really tall powerful fucking bodybuilder muscle woman for you you know it's like and you're fucking 20 something as well Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean i it's quite a and you're on fucking tv and it's a story that everyone hates you because you're so fucking annoyingly perfect together that's like pretty much written in the stars like you know so, I think they they started this kind of little on-screen romance. Things started to get a bit steamy between them. Yeah. And Triple H and China were together for quite a while, I think, before China found out what was going on. Because China said she found, like, a love note or something, Yeah, so yeah. China went on Howard Stern a few times, as, as mentioned in our China episode. But one of the times she went on Howard Stern, she talks about how she found a letter in among Triple H's belongings. This right. is when they were still... They were living together and they were engaged. So as far as she knew, they were getting married. Yeah. And she finds this note from Stephanie. It's a love note. And what I find most kind of shocking about this is how China describes the note and describes like kind of her attitudes to Stephanie and Triple H at this point. She says the note's really romantic and sweet. And she says immediately it's clear that they love each other. And then she almost feels like sorry for them in a way. Yeah. Because she can see that they feel for each other in a totally different way than she's ever felt for Triple H or that Triple H's ever felt for her. And the the worst thing about it is the note is dated a year previously. Oh, fucking hell. So that means, yeah, she's been living kind of a lie for the last year. And, and meanwhile, there's this on-screen romance and you know that's been going on. I mean, we, we don't know how long, at what point actually it started. But they I were... think by, by March. This is just from, from yeah. my watching and my reading of body language and my sense of her seeing people who are clearly fucking turned on to the nines with each yeah. other. Like, it goes from... From like a four to like an 11 between the months of February and March. Mm. And I think it's around that time. Oh, which means that then she had to look back at the last year and think of all the times she's seen them making out and with their incredible sexual chemistry and think, ah, yeah, well, that's for real. And I'm a chump. I mean, I've heard that there was like, Stephanie said this as well in one of her interviews and you know Stephanie on Howard Stern, she gets fucking berated about China, like you know she and it's it's admirable to an extent, I guess that Steph is like you know I don't she's like I don't blame her for being angry. No, she, that's actually, and she's like she's be- you know because Stern's like oh she she looks like a man though she she's gross and you're hot right? She's like no no I think China's beautiful that, and you know it's one thing that I actually yeah I feel it's really important to say at this point about both Stephanie and China is that how kind they are to each other. Like, for all of the drama surrounding it, I feel wrestling fans and the wrestling industry as a whole is obsessed with pitting women against each other, but no more obvious than with Stephanie and China. Absolutely. But yeah. neither of them have anything really that bad to say about each no. other. The worst thing China said about Stephanie was when Howard Stern 
got her incredibly drunk, like to the point where her clothes are falling off her body and she doesn't even realise levels of, of out of it. And Howard Stern says, yeah, she's a bitch though, isn't she, Stephanie? She stole your man. Yeah, would you, would you say she's a bitch? Like literally putting words in her mouth. And then China kind of slurrily goes, yeah, she's a bitch. But other than that, China doesn't really have anything that bad to say about Stephanie. She says, well, they're in love. You can't help who you fall in love with and who am I to kind of stand in the way with that? Obviously they should have, I wish Triple H had just dumped me when they found out, but, mm. you know. Stephanie says in, in that interview, I think that there was like, that her, that Triple H and China had just bought a house together or something like that. And I think that's Yeah, I like, think they bought a house actually a bit earlier together than... Really? Yeah, I think this is, again, Stephanie making it seem as though it happened a lot later than it did. There's a lot to like... I don't know, there is, like, not to, to say Stephanie's completely innocent in all this, because there seems to be a bit of a pattern when talking about it. The little kind of grains of, like, make you kind of think, oh, well, that that's why then, you know. Yeah. Th- that does seem to kind of happen a bit, both with, with Stephanie. Triple H doesn't really talk about it at all. Oh, no, Triple H doesn't. No, no way. <laughs> and if there's one person in here who probably should be talking about it's it, H, it's yeah, Triple H. Definitely. But people don't want to hear about Triple H complaining about his, his ex-girlfriend. They want to hear an ex-girlfriend complain about uh, the, the, the new wife or the yeah. new girlfriend or whatever. It's very, very sad that kind of I think much with Triple H and with China and definitely with Stephanie that is something that's got to hang over them for their you know for, for Stephanie and Triple H for the rest of their lives yeah, yeah especially with be... the way that China was made to leave the company so like when China found the note it happened to be around the same time that, that Triple H has allegedly hit China and I think allegedly she hit him too yeah and so I think they both agreed the relationship was toxic and they should separate thank mm. fucking god but it was around that time that china i think found the note as well right i think china took the note to vince and i think i think this may have been around the time that vince said you, you two stop. stop it this absolutely cannot happen it's it's, it's interesting though that how much of this is like you have to try and put it together oh 100 and we're so not many... saying yeah this is the definitive version no. of events this is from like five or six people how they're yeah. saying it. and even those five or six people changed their story over the years as well. So around the time when when China showed the note to Vince and Vince then I think said to Stephanie and Vince you split up now. Mm. China was told okay Triple H and Stephanie they're they're not together anymore but China and Triple H are obviously going to separate regardless and it was this time when China's storyline started getting damaged. Yeah and and again it's as we're watching on that Smackdown in 2000 it's like you can draw like their graph intercedes where Stephanie becomes this real fucking like a really entertaining character. Why is she entertaining? Well, because she gets all these fucking awesome promos and all these great storylines and all this great material. And China's kind of like friends with Chris Jericho, but not. And then she... like she her stuff st- with Kitty, does it? They start putting her in stuff where it was like, before it was like, China's storyline was like the main female storyline. It was like a big, important thing. And then she well, she's not on half the episodes. It's like, mm. she's not on SmackDown more often than she is on SmackDown when we're watching. Yeah. And she's still probably got six more months left for the company at where we're at at the moment. So that's kind of shocking, you know. And the way her kind of career petered out from that as well. I think that Triple H and Stephanie were, were back together for realsies long before they were officially back together. Yeah, I think so. So we're talking a little bit there. I mentioned about Stephanie getting like great material and stuff like that. They did, like Stephanie got so much character development and got to do things that a lot of characters didn't. And honestly, as a female character, no one was like that before her. Like, on on screen, a, a character like her who was in control, who was smart, who got one up on people constantly, who had means to kind of stick up for herself and whatnot, was very much like a coward and a brat and all that, but was always very well protected by this whole big stable. It was like 
really different. A lot of fans didn't like it at all. Really? Yeah, it was mm. it was quite jarring. A lot and, of fans hate women. Well, I mean, you're talking about 1999 and 2000. This is like a point in time, and you can go back and watch some Stephanie stuff from there. She comes out, everyone is chanting slut. She's a crack whore. Show your tits. Whatever it is, depending on how close they are to Philadelphia, it gets a little bit more orated. But the crowds would chant constant stuff and they would play up to it like Steph would come out mm. like you know and soak up all these chants of people calling her a slut and then be like how dare you call you know some of the stuff that we got to see though I watched a lot of Stephanie recently for for Astro podcast and I had to show Joe the iconic moment where I think the symbiote of McMahon completely overtakes Stephanie and she becomes her father's daughter it's when she slapped her mom, Linda. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, it's so upsetting. And I remember when we watched the documentary for our Vince episode. Yeah. They interview Stephanie about this. And she's clearly so uncomfortable with the whole thing. She looks terrified. Like when she comes out at the start to do it, it's like, oh, what's Stephanie McMahon Helmsley doing here? And she looks nervous for like the first, possibly only time I've ever seen her look genuinely nervous and trepidatious. Yeah. So like, what actually happens that facilitates her hitting Linda? What do you recall about this promo? I remember her coming out and her just insulting her mum. I can't even remember what for now. Because it's not uncommon for a mother to feel threatened by her younger, more beautiful daughter. What little affection Vince had for you, it went to me, daddy's little uh, girl. Uh, <laughs> I feel gross even saying that. But then, I've just remembered actually what else she says. She actually has a couple of great lines in this segment where she talks about how, Mom, you only gave me $100 a week to live off on my pocket money. (laughs) When I turned 16, I wanted the turbo car and you only got me the regular version. Like all of these examples of her being an incredibly spoiled brat. I had to make my own bet <laughs> instead of the maid. <laughs> instead of the maid doing it. Oh, it's so fucking funny. And it's great as well because you've got Linda. <laughs> you got Linda just kind of like nodding, being like, yeah. Yeah, I'm, an, I'm a good mom. I'm a good mom. <laughs> the best one as well is where Stephanie is like, and when I went to college, you only gave me enough money for a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> that is, of course, until I went to the CFO and got him to release some funds. She's like touching her hip going, you always knew how to use your assets. I guess I learned that from you, mom. And Linda's is there in a big blazer like, yes, look <laughs> at me using my assets. I am the ultimate seductress. <laughs> I am programmed for seduction. <laughs> 19-year-old Stephanie uh, in this storyline seducing the chief financial officer of the company to release funds that could be appropriated for personal use for her. That's fraud. I mean, forget about the macho man Stephanie conspiracy theories, brackets thoroughly yeah. debunked. Who was the chief financial officer at the time? Yeah, I'm find just out. saying, that's fucking, that's spicy shit right there. We're talking around 1989, 1990, maybe thereabouts. Someone needs to find out. Do, do your homework and let us know. Someone needs to find out what happened there because I'm really, really uh, thinking that CFO did, I don't know, just the line there where she was like, 
at age 19. That line was obviously workshopped yeah. in there. It's like, we don't want to make out that the CFO was a paedophile as well as an embezzler, okay? Also, 19 rather than 18. It's not like he was, like, waiting at the door for her to come of age. He knew he could, you know, 19, that's another... It's enough of a gap for it to not be too gross. I, I just imagine if I say Vince being like, well, wrestlers can never date uh, my daughter, of course, but uh, the CFO, of course, my 19-year-old <laughs> daughter would make an excellent child bride for them. Can I just say as well, as if Stephanie got her... her seducing tactics from her mum. Vince is the one to teach his kids how to play the, the sexy field, exactly. if ever. Dad, how do I seduce someone? It's easy, Stephanie. You just stare them in the eyes and keep staring and lean in closer and closer like a king cobra. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to close your eyes because they will. It's ah! oh, horrible. It's not sexy anymore. It's not. No, there's, there's a lot of like sexy stuff that has been glossed over then with non-sexiness yeah. here in this discussion so far so stephanie and triple h had a long run as like this kind of uh, evil heel authority figure and like watching as a kid i hated it but it's one of those things like when you watch as an adult and you realize if someone made you hate something vociferously as a child it's just good heel work they did <laughs> yeah. their job i would point out at this point in this episode that we're going to spend longer than normal looking at your tweets and facebook posts this episode because it is a very divisive character with some yeah. very strong opinions both ways. But I would say one thing from someone who was on the Stephanie McMahon total hate train for many, many years. And with a lot of characters this has happened with is allow yourself the prospect that you could have been a bit worked up or have very strong feelings that impacted you when you were younger and maybe more impressionable. What? And those may influence you now. No. And is it difficult because the character in real life portrays many of the same traits that they were exaggerated upon to make you angry as a child? Yes. That, that is confusing. It's very hard. It's very hard for me to listen to Eric Bischoff talk about fly fishing and craft beer and not think that he's trying to make Ric Flair retire before his time. And it's very difficult. Very difficult to listen to Paul Heyman talk about branding and digital content marketing and not think you're really mean to the big show that one time. You know, it's just... There's a lot of times where the character can get in way of the person. I do think Stephanie, looking back on that, how much I hate her and how much I love watching her stuff now. I look forward to seeing Stephanie on the SmackDown crawl with Adam. It, it, it does happen, and it has happened with a lot of fans, myself included, I think. Mm. Some highlights during this time when Stephanie was uh, running roughshod with Triple H, she became women's champion for a period of time. Of course she did. Which was great, because Stephanie, who in real life has a bad knee, apparently, because of a, a dancing injury, which meant that she couldn't pursue her her career in choreography and whatnot. No, 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 no. She couldn't not pursue her career in choreography because of a hurt knee. You can do choreography with a hurt knee. Oh, really? Yeah, she just decided to get into wrestling. So maybe it's just why dancing didn't happen for her. Yeah, it's why she didn't... Yeah, she wasn't a dancer because of that. In more ways than one, she is her father's daughter because when Stephanie wrestles, she is... um, she's she's gotten a lot better as we will discuss when we get into our matches but back during this time it was like literally stephanie in a t-shirt leggings cowering in the corner someone like triple h would beat up like lita then she'd pin them like that was stephanie's wrestling career wow. at the time. of course as well worth pointing out during 2001 as well her very very iconic and big match against trish stratus it's one which we covered with some extended viewing for a trish episode which I think was showing that Stephanie was one of those characters at the time that even though she couldn't wrestle a lot, there was so much buzz around her character, she could get into these big feuds and the matches were themselves were very, very big moments. But I wanted to talk a little bit about one of my all-time favourite segments, the one which sometimes gets a little bit looked over. It was in 2002 when 
Stephanie was coming back to the company after being ousted for one reason or another. Villains usually get ousted in wrestling. And she's coming back as a bad guy. And at the same time, Triple H, who'd been away and injured, was coming back as the biggest good guy of all time. And the big problem that they had was that they were still in kayfabe, married on screen. So they wanted to do a storyline where they could have Stephanie get away from Triple H and not be married to him anymore. And so Stephanie wanted to renew her wedding vows to Triple H. She didn't really want to do it, but then Stephanie revealed that she's pregnant! I hate that. What happens in this, uh, this whole pregnancy thing? Uh, what, what, why is it that you hate Stephanie saying she's pregnant? I just hate the angle. It's a, it's a trope that is very boring and misogynist. Which is the fake pregnancy. It's fake pregnancy. It's, it's horrible. It's just does no good to anyone. I would say fake pregnancy is second only to fake pregnancy leading into fake miscarriage. Oh, Which God. has also happened twice in Jesus wrestling. Jesus Christ. The blood is all... I mean, it's, it's uh, not something that any one company is, is, is innocent of. It's been done a lot. It has, and it's been done a lot in TV and media and video games and all sorts. Yeah. Fake pregnancies. It's. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. In the office, when Kelly Kapoor goes, I'm pregnant, and it just cuts back to her shaking her head going like, no, I'm That's not. That's the only good one. That I find that very, very funny. It's my favourite That's the only good bits. one, because it actually makes sense for her character to lie about something like that. But does it not make sense for Stephanie, heel Stephanie, to lie about being pregnant? I just think there's other things they could have done which had been more effective. Mm. The thing with Mindy Carling's character in the office is it's genuinely a funny moment. Because yeah. everyone knows not to believe anything her character says mm-hmm. because she's a drama queen. Yeah, yeah. But this whole conniving Stephanie thing—it's a very much—it's a—it's a stereotype of women, I think, which is that you know, ah, we're all lying about things, and every pregnancy is just another lie we use to control and manipulate the poor men. I think it's like says a lot that if you are a woman in wrestling who's going to announce that she is pregnant. I mean, could you imagine... Like, I would just say, for example... I've not checked, but if you say, for example, when Rhea Canellis announced that she was pregnant, mm. just looking at the replies to those tweets... Oh, God, I can't even imagine. You it's know? one of the reasons I'm really happy that they are announcing more pregnancies in wrestling. Like, actual pregnancies. Yes. I want to get rid of that whole stupid cliche. I hate it. So many fake pregnancies in wrestling history. Yeah. And this was... Uh, yeah, this is one of the more notable ones, I guess, because Stephanie, not only did she have a fake pregnancy, she hired a fake doctor and a fake sonogram to trick Triple H into remarrying her or renewing their wedding vows. I just think there's other things. Like, what if she could have faked an illness instead or something? Oh, right. Well, Stephanie's like, I have cancer. Oh, no, that would have been really horrid. Because you know that's exactly where they would go to, though. That's there's it, no the middle ground. There's no middle ground. It's always extremes, isn't it? Yeah, you can't have it, it is. Like, oh, but Triple H, I broke my leg. No, no, no. Which would well, actually have been funny. <laughs> well, Stephanie. Faking a her, broken leg. In yeah. a ridiculous wedding dress with a big broken leg. Yeah. Oh, very funny. That's why you have to marry me. I've got a sore leg. So, Triple H does find out right before we get into this wedding vow renewal ceremony he does find out that Stephanie was lying and it's through the worst way as well oh now come on no it's rubbish let's have a let's have out about this deep dive storytelling here so the doctor I didn't see this bit but Kevin tells me the doctor who announced Stephanie was pregnant said smashing a lot he said it's a smashing sonogram you have here it's Nigel Thornbury I guess the baby is getting on smashingly (laughs) (laughs) and then Stephanie is like we're renewing our wedding vows and like oh that's smashing too and Stephanie's like yes it is smashing smashing Triple H's like yeah it is smashing smashing yes and then 
right before the wedding, Triple H gets a videotape from Linda. Yeah, and Linda's on the phone. <laughs> like some kind of blackmailer. <laughs> Look what I found, Triple H. I know your secrets. Open up the FedEx package, Triple H. Put the VHS tap into the player. Watch the videotape. <laughs> this is the Undertaker's wife. <laughs> Told you like to play a little game. <laughs> so, Triple H puts in the VCR tape. And we don't see what's on it, but we hear a voice talking about an advert of something. He's he's advertising for a travel holiday or something. I, I think they're like it's a, he's advertising Norwich and Norfolk based <laughs> canal ones. What a way to have a smashing holiday! Like. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Triple H straight away he smells a rat. He knows something is up. He knows that he's not going to be remarrying his well, wife, Stephanie, he, tonight. He doesn't smell a rat. Linda, on the phone, says, yeah, she hired an actor. That doctor <laughs> is an actor. The rat he smelled was the things yeah. that, that Linda said. Yeah, and you're, <laughs> Stephanie's not pregnant. I don't know why Linda doesn't just talk to her daughter about this. Because she gets hit by her. Like, she got, she's been slapped by Stephanie. Her and Stephanie are when no way. When was that, though? That was in the year 2000. That's ages away. In 2000, later on that year, Linda hits... Stephanie went to hit Linda again, and then Linda hits Stephanie. Right, well, they're on even footing then, And right? then in 2001, Shane held Linda's arms behind her back and went, do it, do it, hit her, hit her. And then Stephanie... It's so funny, because in the first slap, when Stephanie hits her, you can tell she's like... She's like, wincing. Her heart is breaking. Like, and the slap is pathetic. As it well. is. It's, and Linda goes out like a sack of bricks. Like, and Stephanie looks like so bad. Like, as in like ashamed of herself. And then straight away she puts on the big like proud face. By the way, Linda getting slapped by Stephanie inexplicably got a standing ovation. Yeah. Like, which is very weird. But in 2001, when she hits Linda, it's like, yeah, give her bam, big fucking massive slap. Yeah. Not a lick of apprehension whatsoever so I think maybe Linda and Stephanie and Kay Faber are on the way out here like <laughs> the time she slapped Linda yeah was that first time she slapped Linda the first time she slapped someone on WWE wrestling no she's slapped a lot of fucking people she slaps everyone but before that moment before that moment she slapped loads of yeah, people okay. yeah she slapped McFoley she slapped Jim Ross she slapped Vince she slapped Tess she slapped fucking she slapped everyone like she, she... I thought she was supposed to be this good little girl before oh no I'm talking about the three month period between slapping Linda and her turning heel for the first time she was pretty slap crazy during that like three month period there was a lot of slaps going on so Linda's told Triple H that Stephanie has, is lying so Triple H is going to go out and do this wedding knowing full well he has no intentions of renewing his vows we then cut to Stephanie who is in her bridal dress with the two singers who will be serenading them later and her very very happy to see her father Vince McMahon how would you describe Stephanie's wedding dress? oh it's a bit sexy a little bit like I think I'd like to wear a wedding dress like that oh yeah? give me the Stephanie McMahon she says yeah, and I think I might get mine like black or something to be even more evil. <laughs> You're such a fucking heel, I love yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So Stephanie's dress is like, it's super low cut. And she's had her, her breast enhancements, which I normally wouldn't mention because I kind of feel it doesn't really need to be mentioned a lot of the time. But it needs to be mentioned here because it's obviously like, it's an important thing to her. It's, she's deliberately had a dress that's designed to show off her assets, as it were. And she did say to Howard Stern in an interview, the reason she had it done was that she felt that her breasts looked like melted butter packets 
which is the most peculiar way to describe breasts I've ever heard in my life. It's a sad way to describe them. Oh, and the gross thing is then Howard Stern's like, yeah, I think you should go up a size. Fuck <laughs> off, no. you piece of slime. They're massive. They're fucking huge. Yeah, do you want to have more back problems, do you? Yeah, seriously. You might try getting a pair of, like, double Gs on your chest, Howard Stern. It is amazing to see the difference between the two weddings that we're talking at. One late 99, one early 2002. And it's like we went from being the blushing bride to being the very low-cut, very enhanced, evil, winged eyeliner Stephanie. It's a great look, honestly. I think her her look at this wedding is fantastic. Her dress is quite short as well. Like, it is, it goes against all the traditional elements of what a wedding dress should be, other than the fact that it's white. It's It's like very much that she wants this wedding to be like just a big event for her to show off like kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're making it very clear that she's not daddy's little girl anymore or is she because when Vince shows up he's like Stephanie I'm not going to forget all the things you've done to me trying to run me out of business saying that you wish that I was going to die <laughs> slapping my wife Linda several times but my goodness you look very good in that dress <laughs> and, uh, of course there's no way I'm not going to walk daddy's old girl down that aisle. And you pointed out, you know, I, I didn't notice this the first few times I watched it, but Vince ain't really looking Stephanie in the eye here, folks. No, he's not. He's uh, looking at her breasts. Yes, he to, is. To put it lightly. And then he pulls her in very close. Frontwards, of course. Daddy's little girl. Holds her tightly against him. <laughs> How does Vince view Stephanie? We've we we've stepped out around this a lot here now. I mean, what is the fucking deal here? We've we in the Vince episode we talked about this a bit as well. He fucking wrestles Stephanie. A lot of the stuff between them is quite sexual at times. Yeah, he thinks about Stephanie like Trump thinks of Ivanka and like Hulk Hogan thinks of his daughter whose name I don't know. In that he fancies her, and it's a bit obvious, and it's a bit weird. <laughs> straight up, that's Just it. Straight up, he fancies his daughter. He does, though. It's pretty clear. What? Why is it clear to you? No, if it, if he doesn't fancy his daughter, he really wants everyone to think that he does. Yeah. Because he ogles her constantly. He like sweats and blushes when she's like doing all her heel sexy stuff around him. It's just uncomfortable. He always has. He puts her in these situations. I'm talking about real life. Yeah. Vince and Stephanie. He puts her in these situations which are real sexual and weird. Yeah. You know, she was head of creative around this time. So 2002, 2003, she started doing a lot of the creative stuff. As early as 2001, she was doing a lot of the big creative stuff. And I mean, I always wondered who was who it was. If it's Stephanie or if it's Vince, who was the ultimate head of creative in all aspects of things. But. Stephanie's character in late 2001, 2002, like, she was, she went from being kind of, like, a little bit bratty to being straight up, like, wearing, like, PVC, thigh-high boots, cackling evil villain. She got sexualized so much. And I've always wondered if it was, like, Vince pitching this or Stephanie pitching this, thinking this is something that Vince would want to see, but... The more creative control that she got over the product and Vince and her together, the more sexualized her character became. Yeah. This is this is like around here, this 2002 period is, is the height of it. Because it's fucking like, I was telling Joe, like when Stephanie and Kayfabe hurt her neck, she wore a black wet look fucking neck brace. I mean, for fuck's like sake. Like a latex one. Yeah, and like Jim Ross would be like, look at how this young woman is dressed, it's scandalous. Like, I'm going to say now though, if I ever had whiplash and I had to wear a neck brace, yeah. I would want a 
PVC one or a black latex one. It's, yeah, it's way better looking than a white one, which is going to get grubby fast. I, I love you. I just thought I should say that again. Like, well, know. only because I would opt for a stylish black neck. You've got strong it. style brand guidelines. I really appreciate. All my my style brand guidelines are no jeans. That's it. Like, <laughs> other than that, like, You'd I'm wear fine. jeans neck brace. <laughs> Ah, that's what happened if Tim the Toolman Taylor got involved in some sort of a terrible scaffolding accident. You have to wear a denim neck brace afterwards. <laughs> so the renewal of wedding vows ceremony itself, then, where you've got uh, Stephanie coming out with Vince, crowd booing, chanting "slut" very, very loudly, and then Triple H coming out in what can best be, the, best be described as the most ill-fitting suit I have ever seen anyone wear ever. Yeah, it's really bad. It's like he's borrowed one of Vince's suits. Vince's suit looks good. Vince's suit does look good, nice actually. Nice yeah. nice big shoulders. Yeah, yeah. fits him well. It's yeah. like Triple H has shown up to the club where you have to wear a certain type of jacket and trousers and he's not got them, so he has to put them on over his clothes. Yeah. The highlight of this is, of course, the singing of the same song from Chest and Stephanie's wedding. But worse. Even worse. And how inappropriate is it? She's like, you know, like leading into Triple H, looking at him lovingly, like looking at him lovingly, kind of like, this is the song that we played during the wedding that you interrupted and we revealed that you had drugged me, but not really. Remember. Remember. Kevin, would you like to join me in another rendition of their wedding song? Absolutely. And uh, I have to make sure my hair looks terrible because the poor unfortunate woman in this she has got the worst hair ever oh I feel mean even mentioning it because it's the worst hair I've ever seen on television it is tragic haircut and the singing is so tragic as well together Together, (coughs) always be together (coughs) forever forever we'll always be forever forever together together you know what? Together and forever kind of rhyme, don't they? Yeah. Almost. I didn't notice that until you pointed it out there. Do you think that they actually bought the rights to that song or that's an in-house production like? I don't know. I'd love to. I, I reckon that's an in-house production. They put that together I'm like. I'm not so sure. I think it sounds familiar, but I know it's just because I've heard it so many times during these weddings. What is it about Stephanie and terrible music? I don't know. It's so funny though. The, the bad music. Like this whole segment is just hilarious because of the shocking music. I feel now as we're talking about bad music and Stephanie, it's only appropriate to bring this up because it's never a really good time. And I'm going to have to shoehorn it in here somewhere. Yeah. Stephanie's entrance music ain't very good. No, it's crap. It's got this kind of a corporate rap. And the one before that, where they were trying to show that she was more grown up, the song said, I'm more grown up now. As I listen and learn, they're too fine, I'm fine to get my turn. It's awful. But I did have to find, I'm really sorry, I had to find uh, the lyrics I'm all grown up now, and I listened and learned. A true star, and I'm finally getting my turn. Took my L, earned to my spot. I'm going to be here for a minute, sunny boy, if you like it or not. When you th- <laughs> While you think about chicks and whips, I'm on the out, though. Laid back, sun in my face, just like Pablo. Sorry, Pablo Escobar, no a drug lords. Or Tony Montana, the Sorry. world is mine. No in fictional drug lords. Wow. Stephanie, tell us she's doing on cocaine, like. No, maybe. Ain't a cloud in the sky that can stop my shine. I love it. I done come through the grime and grit. Now I'm on top, shine on some rhyme. When you think about me, you think of the best, like a full-length mink or a brand new Corvette. Yes, when I spit, consider the mess. 
disgusting. Up out my past digits, nothing less. When you think of Jackie O, you think of success, success, success. This song has invoked Pablo Escobar, Tony Montana, and Jackie O. Yeah. Pretty uh, interesting triad there of, uh, of people. And of course, the new one. Joe, if you don't mind taking us through The Queendom, which is her new entrance music. Style and grace, I'm never gonna be done. Lean on in. Now welcome to the Queendom. The Queendom, where the kings bow down. Then relinquish your crown. You're gonna hate me now. I'll just turn that around and make you love me, love me, love me. That's interesting they're talking about the the, the very oftentimes frustrating dual face and heel roles that Stephanie mm. uh, holds there. Interesting, interesting. Look at that girl there, hips, lips, hair. Walks with a flair like she just don't care. Nobody do her like she do her. Self-made soul paid doing that curve. She stopped, dude stare, chicks do too. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe she's bisexual. She did say on Howard Stern she had kissed a lady before. She did, yeah. She yeah. said she had a bit of a, yeah, yeah. Not an inkling towards women. Bouts so false, never ever gonna lose. Her whoa, whoa, top- whoa. Bouts so false. I don't know. She's saying that wrestling is fake. I think so, yeah. Joe, that's really wrong. It's not fake. I know. How dare you? Her top down cruise, so smooth, nothing better. Boom to the letter, you got to respect her. Mama Sita off the meter, (laughs) she go better. (laughs) Also, I'm a cool Latina woman. You're not a Mama Sita off the meter. Come on now. You're fucking Irish. Your great grandparents are from County Clare, for fuck's sake. With the speed of a cheetah, live a. Jag is better. Liver jag. Liver jag. So hot they sweat her like a sweater in a sauna. <laughs> oh, I like this next bit best. Elegant persona, ready for drama, zero and commas. What? All up in the bank book, haters gonna give a stank book. <laughs> even better than I thought. Even when these grace, she push, she push harder. No woman or man does it like she can. And you can't put a dent in her armour. Get the queen down when the king bow down. I'm never thinking the crown. Oh, but the last stanza here. Classy, looking so delicious but I'm nasty. Ain't nobody tell me nothing. Ain't no what need to gas me. Got a hold to control, silent gold. Gas That's me. not even a final fourth line there. That makes me really uncomfortable. That's a an interesting set of lyrics there that Stephanie has got to her name. I want someone to make sense of these lyrics. I think so. And if ever there was again a need for a sad white lady cover of a song, I think the Queen no, Dom. No. The Queen Dom, where the kings are down, never relinquish the crown. I mean, it could work. No. You know? Someone get me cat power on the horn. <laughs> She'll do this one fucking justice, like. So, Triple H reveals in the wedding that he knows, and he's like, we're through, and he rips off his shirt, beats up Vince. It's fucking spectacular. I love the absolute chaos of the second wedding. I don't know why he decides to not renew his vows to her instead of just talking to her and being like, Stephanie, are you, is something, are you all right? Why are you pretending you're pregnant? There's something, I think there's something really wrong with you and I think you maybe need some help and I'm sure you're, you're struggling or something because there's not, you wouldn't fake a pregnancy like this. Do you want no kids, reason. Stephanie? Do you want kids? Yeah, is, is that, that, is that it? Me? Can you are you having problems? With... Do you need some kind of help? Is there anything I can do? Do we need to see a counselor? I think we should. <laughs> I think we need to talk about this together because there's obviously something going on here. No, we are <laughs> through. You no good conniving bitch. <laughs> Which also gets a standing ovation. Way, yeah. And I promise you, okay, and there's a lot of wedding talk here in this episode. I promise I will not pedigree your father at uh, our wedding. 
I absolutely he promise you. Die? Can you imagine, <laughs> my poor father? It's Vince nearly died here. He tries to take the bomb early, trip and he's like, "Oh no, no, no! You're taking the goddamn pedigree in a tuxedo, and you will like it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the final shot of uh, Stephanie again. If our wedding could end on the final shot of you going, mm. you the big the lion roar. Yeah. Fabulous way to end an episode of Raw. I do like any time they show this in a recap package. They would distort the screen and turn it a color and add like a like beast noise behind it, like Stephanie's a dragon. <laughs> so as we move from 2002 into 2003, she then is retooled as a character. She's no longer meant to be this, you know, vindictive vixen, this kind of villainess or whatever. So they rent to rebrand her when they need a general manager for SmackDown. They do the brand split. She's going to be the straight-laced. I'm all grown up now as I listen and learn like Tony Montana and Pablo Escobar. Fucking hell, that's a heel song. I'm sorry. Like, is, yeah, it's a heel song. Jackie O doesn't outdo Pablo Escobar and fucking <laughs> Tony Montana. I'm sorry. But the idea was that she had spent some time away and that she was grown up now and she's going to wear business suits and she's going to treat SmackDown and not rule with fear like her father. She's going to rule with respect and give fans the matches they deserve. And she was a total babyface. It lasted around a week of her being in the business suits until SmackDown would open with like a big shot in her cleavage and be like, have I got your attention now? Tonight, Kurt Angle is going to face Hardcore Holly, you know? Ugh. Or like they would have segments where like John Cena would be like, damn, your ass is tight. Can I spank it? And she's like... Oh. Oh really? Do you think you can, John? And she what like. What do you mean? Do you think you can? She bend over and and like you know dare him to do it. What like is in? What because he'd be fired if he did, or because he can't reach? Are or... you man enough to sexualize me? Like what the hell? It was really weird when you had this like character who was like, now Stephanie's not going to be like this kind of in your face aggressively kind of sexual bad guy. She's going to be you know, business suit woman. And then that went from just aggressively sexualized good guy, which honestly I found really fucking weird because Vince was involved in our storylines a lot. Mm. And this, of course, during times where you had like matches where the stipulation was if Stephanie's team lost, she had to do HLA, hot lesbian action. What? Where Stephanie had to stand in the ring as two women in bikinis dance around her and gyrated against that her. That sounds like a fun time. <laughs> I mean, like... Is that what a hot lesbian action is? That's just what lesbians... Yeah, what, what we bikini- do in our spare <laughs> Lesbians love bikinis. I thought this was this was very much so. Once you're onto the... You know, once you're not hetero and completely straight bikinis, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Swimwear. Just dancing. And dancing, swimwear. yeah, aggressively. At the at behest... straight women. <laughs> at straight women. At the behest of Eric Bischoff, like, you know. You know what they say about lesbians... When Chuck Palumbo and Billy Gunn lose a match to three-minute warning, they're going to start dancing. That's just the you know it's the LGBT community the way they roll. Like. So was it actually supposed to be <laughs> in the same? Was it actually supposed to be lesbian women who were dancing at Stephanie, or just yeah. hot women? No, HLA, hot lesbian action. But I didn't know if it was supposed to be hot lesbian action because it's just women being sexy near each other, or if it's actually supposed to be because two of these characters are canonically lesbians they, they would kiss the women who would come out on Eric Bischoff's arm would start kissing each other as he oh. smiled and pointed and stuff like that oh. yeah HLA this is of course like a very desperate time for WWE where business is woo, all the way down lots of big stars like Rock and Stone Cold have all left and they're still trying to be edgy like the Attitude Era but they're not got the attention on them so it's like the kid making loads of noise this is when they did the gay wedding was around this time oh, as well yeah. right. sorry the gay wedding like you should return that gravy boat to glad I'm just saying they gave that to you yeah. in, in good faith uh-huh. right 
So Stephanie's involved in this storyline now with Vince, where Vince comes in and he's like, I don't like the way you're running SmackDown. You're you're too lenient, you're too goddamn nice. Too sexy. Yeah, too sexy. And you're gonna have a new assistant, my sexy assistant, Sable. And he would just make out with Sable like every fucking other like uh... SmackDown was Stephanie coming going, Dad. What are you doing? And she's wearing like a really low cut top and Ste- Vince is staring at Steph's chest and he's like, oh, I'm just here with Sable. And he put his hand on Sable's knee and run it up her leg. And like, there are like 15 minute segments where Vince McMahon is just making out with Sable backstage. But the grossest thing about this is what you told me about Sable. What her kind of uh, involvement was and whatnot. Well, what happened prior to her being involved in this. So, Sable, I think we mentioned her briefly on Brock Lesnar's episode, uh, the woman who's uh, very aggressively proposed to uh, (laughs) by Brock Lesnar, and they're happily married for for many, many years. Sable was a big star in WWE during the Attitude Era from 97 to 99. She was like the big, big female star. She was the first female star of theirs who made the transition to Playboy and got mainstream exposure. Like, it was Stone Cold and Sable were the two big names, you know, because Sable was was the sex object. She was the fucking eye candy that they had. She left 1999, various contract disputes. Sable, notably, not the nicest person in the world from most, uh, particularly the women who've worked with her, have not had very nice things to say about her. She sued the company for sexual harassment. So yeah, in 1999, Sable quit WWE and she filed like a $100 million lawsuit against the company. She said it was unsafe working conditions and that she was sexually harassed. She like, I think it was like people like Russo and stuff were writing her in storylines where it was like, you know, be topless and stuff like that. And I think if she felt she had no recourse to say i don't want to do that like it was like she was being forced to do things against her will at this point of course the way they tell the story is that oh she became too big for her britches wouldn't want to do business didn't want to be a star we had to bring her down a level by sexually harassing her so she was then countersued by wwe because she was using the sable name which they owned the copyright for outside of the company i think she reduced the amount they settled out of court needless to say it was a bad blood situation sable comes back around this time with the express purpose of being Vince's babe. like, And mm. it's just, yeah, these are two people who were suing each other for various reasons, sexual harassment chief among them, and they're making out on top of each other, rolling around. You want to sue me for sexual harassment? Well, I'll sexually harass you every night on Raw. Like, well, it was SmackDown. That's Sorry, the- <laughs> every night on SmackDown. But like, Stephanie would like have to have these segments where Sable is like, you don't know what it takes like what I do to satisfy your father, oh. who's a genuine American sex symbol and icon. And, you know, it's very, very gross. This Wait, is, she's saying this to Stephanie? She said it to Linda. Oh. And then, but like with Stephanie, she'd be saying stuff as well, like about like how she was like, you know, how hot her dad was. And, you know, this really, like, she would like knock out Stephanie and then like make out with Vince over her knocked out body, like stuff like that. Mm. It was really fucking weird. So that takes us to Vengeance 2003 as Stephanie McMahon takes on her assistant Sable and this match has got a very specific set of rules, Joe. It's billed as being a cat fight. <laughs> the role of Joanna Graham will be played by Long Marge Simpson tonight on How <laughs> I hate that. Why is a cat fight? I don't fucking know. When two women fight each other, probably. I don't know. I don't know, and I couldn't tell you having watched this match. Yeah, I think this storyline, as we've we've mentioned, 
It's a little bit on the tasteless side. This is seeing Stephanie in action against Sable. How would you describe the action in this one, Joe? I mean, as a it being your first ever cat fight that you've officially watched. Well, we start off with the entrances. Sable comes in, does the sexy dance. That's like her main offensive maneuver in this match, I yeah. think. And then she does like another sexy dance, but this time she does it like kind of while standing over Stephanie, like an ag- more aggressive sexy dance. Yeah. And then they roll around a lot on the floor. Kind of like Se- Stephanie keeps like pulling at Sable's pants. So they come into like a thong. A lot of that. And I think it's lot intentional because yeah. it's right in the camera. Then Stephanie undresses Sable. Of course. Of course she does. Maybe that's what a cat fight is, is when you sexually undress each other. I mean, you're like... Not listing any moves here, but I don't there think... There weren't any. There's hair pulls and hair tosses. There like. was the occasional, like... I don't even want to call it, like, a slap, because it's not even, really. There, there was a slap where they, at one point, yeah, where they, she slapped her in the face, yeah. It's just weird. It's really... It's, like, not wrestling, and it's still sexualized, and it's just, like, nothing, really. It's just, like... It's just soft porn. It's on so many fronts. It's so weird because this is this is the women's match you get tonight on on this pay per view. There's no other women's match or women's storyline. There's no, no women's championship on not SmackDown. Surprised. And yeah, it's the boss's daughter wriggling around with the boss's fucking mistress. It makes it's... no sense why she undresses her. I'll show you for having sex with my dad by undressing you in front of him. The parallels with the Trish match that we'd watched before as well, where it's like, I hate that you're with my dad. I'm going to, like, fucking make you wet and pull your pants down and touch your ass and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's fucking weird. It's, it's like a Vince McMahon fantasy. Yeah. That's what this is. Uh-huh. It's so unsettling. I will say, watching this, wrestling for women sure has come a long way in 16 years, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, it feels like glacial pace when you compare it now and then, like, at times. But fucking hell, this was hideous. Then the ref takes off his shirt because Sable's straps have been pulled down. She hasn't like been actually exposed or anything. But no, her, but her shoulders... Her aye. shoulders have been exposed. So the ref takes off his shirt and gives it to her. Which causes massive... The biggest heat in the match is when the referee... People fucking love this shit. She doesn't put the shirt on or anything, though. She just holds it to cover the clothes that are already on her body. Woo! Woo! Woo. Sexy! And that, that's it, really. Yeah, Albert runs in and runs into Steph. Big Albert, A-Train, a.k.a. Matt Bloom, if you're watching Breaking Ground. The match ends with Sable just picking up the win over Steph, who got squashed. It's amazing how hot the crowd is, though. That's the thing. The crowd were into this. only five or six minutes. The crowd are fucking nuclear. The idea of seeing Sable be undressed by Stephanie, like, they're pitching you fantasy stuff. This is, like, softcore porn. And I will tell you right now, as being a teenage boy who was being pitched to at this point in time watching wrestling particularly Smackdown it was a given every week on Smackdown I would see either someone get stripped out of their clothes there would be a bikini contest a lingerie contest a bra and panties match something like something along those lines and during this period of time it all involved Stephanie and like I was wondering your take on it in terms of do you think Stephanie's doing this because she genuinely thinks this is awesome material, this is great, gets a reaction? Or is it, I'll show my dad, I'll do it, you know, I'll show my dad. Or is it even, hey, fucking, if I'm doing it, I'm the boss's daughter, all the women, what's your problem? I'm the boss's daughter, I'm doing these matches, what's what's your problem, you know? I think it's all of all of them. Yeah? Say. It's all three. It's so fucking weird. It is. It's upsetting. During this period of time as well, for fans of intergender wrestling, Stephanie, in addition to wrestling Sable, also on SmackDown or on pay-per-view, wrestled 
Vince McMahon. We've seen that. She wrestled the big show. She wrestled Albert, the man who ran in here. She also wrestled Brock Lesnar. And also wrestled Big Show and Brock Lesnar. So, wow. Yeah. And all and all of these matches were like, you know, they would do a move and Steph would be just writhing around going, ah, in her like skimpy wrestling gear. It was a bit strange seeing as this whole storyline started off with, I'm going to be more serious now. And it just was just kind of an excuse to see Steph writhe around. I don't know. I feel like people talk about how Stephanie doesn't get like, her comeuppance or anything like that. Because she had it all already. She's She had to do a lot of fucking shit in a very short period of time, like. And did you give a rating for this match, Yes, Joe? zero stars. Zero stars! That's like your lowest rating ever, I think. I think I've given other things zero stars. I know you gave Vince and Shane one, one. star. Yeah, it's because so. Shane did coast to coast, though. There oh, wasn't any of that in this. That's true. There was not coast to coast. There was just a referee with tragic tattoos over the corpse of Stephanie McMahon at the end of this one. It's gross. Fucking weird. There's no wrestling. It made me feel very uncomfortable to watch as a woman. It's yeah. just ugh, yuck, gross, icky. I had to take a shower after this. And would it surprise you that people were disappointed in this match? at the time as in I'm sure I'd be surprised as to the reason that they're disappointed oh yeah the people were like Sable wasn't naked enough yeah pretty much yeah okay like they like in the run up to this Stephanie like ripped off Sable's top and completely exposed and they like blurred out her breasts like they did it like two or three times like in up to this her being completely stripped and so people were expecting that was gonna happen they're expecting full on scissoring in this well I mean that's what they're like that's the thing like they're conditioning you as a fan at the time to expect that it's part of the show as far as they're concerned and it's really fucked up that it was for such a long period of time. But I think it's just worth bearing in mind anytime Stephanie's talking about women's evolution or women's revolution or whatever it is, is that, you know, I feel she should own this a bit more. Because she's talking about, like, oh, the women, you, you used to get a chance. They used to have to come out and do bikini contests and stuff. It's like, well, if you look at a lot of their matches around this time, Stephanie, you, know, you were doing a lot of this stuff as well. And I would yeah. think it would be quite empowering for the women of the roster to hear now. They're like, hey, I used to have to be in matches where it was yeah. tops being ripped off or being covered in water or writhing around. And I don't want that for, for the women now. She's never said that. She's never owned that part of the past. And I feel WWE should. That would require actually acknowledging that Vince had done any wrong, though. Yeah. Which I don't think she's going to do. No, I don't think they ever will do. It's just like, ah, the fans wanted something different. It wasn't our fault. It was society's fault. Dang it. And at the time, it was actually a good thing, so... Yeah, because the ratings were really low, so we kept doing it, even as the ratings got lower and lower and lower. Because it's what the fans wanted, right? Yeah, definitely. fuck's sake. So Stephanie takes quite a lengthy sabbatical from television around this time couple of things happen around this time 2004 onwards she gets married to triple h for realsies finally wow they get married so much later than you think when would you did you think they were like way way back married then? i honestly i thought they would have already gotten married before their renewals really yeah i didn't realize that, that they had got married so late into their relationship they did actually when you think about it take it slow good for them slower than one would have thought i applaud that more couples should do that like us look at we're doing you can edit this out. <laughs> oh. I didn't want people to think that. Come here. Uh, you know, I'll give you. I uh, know I'll do a big marry on you, so I will. <laughs> um, did you know what Vince wanted to do with their wedding? Um, no. They were allegedly. Triple H has told this story on, on his documentary. They were sitting around planning it, and like all the invites were going out. Big, big reception, big wedding, and Vince, deadly serious, is like. Oh, God damn, you're going to have, like, a couple of thousand people there. 
All this money being spent, all these cameras... I might as well put it on pay-per-view. Oh my god, Vince, L- no. For the third t- time? For poor Stephanie? No, wait, fourth time it would But this been. would be for realsies. I know, but she's already been married on pay-per-view. I mean, I'd say, on, well, no, it was only on Raw she got married before, oh, in fairness. Oh, come on. So, I mean, for the first time ever on pay-per-view, the actual marriage of Stephanie McMahon and Paul Levesque, that could have worked, right? I just, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'd be great television, but like, fucking, who wants that? Fun fact: there is a big story. Like for all the praise we've given for the Triple H Stephanie storyline, massive, huge gap in it because they never explain on TV in kayfabe how they got back together. Because what happens is in 2002 they have their renewal ceremony, and Triple H is like, "We're through." Yeah. Then, like three or four years later, when Stephanie's not on TV at all anymore, really much. She like uh, she's pregnant at this point in time with with Triple H's children, so Triple H is like missing from Raw for a few weeks, and they literally just did a thing where Triple H was backstage, is like, "Come on, you know we're married. Come on, I mean, obviously we're married. You know, you know." And that Who's was it. He saying this to? to to like there's like Shawn Michaels and Vince were there, and he's like, "Come on, you know, like you know, we don't have to say it. Like you know that we're we're married, and you know she's pregnant with my kid. Like that's why I have to go." But they never had a storyline. We're getting back together. It was just. Yeah, Marks. Obviously, they're married. You know that. That's so weird. You'd think for all the storylines they always have, they would have done that. Yeah. But yeah, Stephanie was gone for quite a period of time. She, you know, she gave birth to you know a number of, of children in that time. Her, her and Triple H had like they've three kids now, I think. Yeah, three daughters. Three daughters. Mm-hmm. I thought they had a son. No. No. Yeah. So Triple H and Stephanie have three daughters between them, and mm-hmm. Shane and his wife have three sons between oh, them. Oh, God, that's so weird, isn't it? No, just think about what the future of wrestling might hold for those six kids. I know you were telling me, because I asked you to maybe have a little look up about their kids and stuff. Yeah. Was there much information? Like, I want to know about their kids, but <laughs> <laughs> is there much information? Like, are they going to be the heirs of parents? Are we going to see them in mm. wrestling? Is that inevitable? So, Triple H and Stephanie are super protective and private of their kids. Absolutely rightly so. I can only imagine with what Stephanie grew up during... I would want to be the same way, I imagine. Yeah. So they try and make sure that whenever there's like pictures of them taken as a family, they try and cover their faces or make them look the other direction and stuff. And Triple H and Stephanie both take that really seriously. Unless they're with Donald Trump, of course. Unless they're with Donald Trump, because he's a fine person to have pictures taken of you, of your kids. <laughs> fine, upstanding citizen. Yeah. Godfather Trump. Yeah. So, yeah, that is quite hard to find information about their kids, but they have done a couple of interviews, not the kids, but but Triple H and Stephanie have done a couple of interviews here and there where they talk about their children. And they have, as I said, they have three girls. The eldest is called Aurora. She's the only one whose name I can remember off the top of my head. Aurora. And she is a miniature version of Stephanie from, from the interviews I've heard. Aurora McMahon-Helmsley, yeah. at this time of year, at this part of the country, localised entirely within this podcast. <laughs> May I see it? <laughs> <laughs> apparently, yeah, Aurora is apparently like the spitting image of, of Stephanie, both in terms of like how she looks, but also in terms of how she acts. She loved heel Stephanie. Oh, wait, I remember hearing, because we, we watched so many fucking corporate Steph yeah. interviews and she was asked about her kids a lot. I know one time she was like really perturbed when her eldest she did like the stephanie like look at her or something like that mm. she's like i'm gonna do this and then like walked off with a big over the shoulder look and she's like yeah do not speak like that yeah she it's, she sounds quite frightening especially when you hear about her career aims she was asked if she wanted to be like stephanie when she grew up and she said no she doesn't want to be like stephanie she doesn't want to do stephanie's job 
She doesn't want to be like just like a like a Stephanie character and she doesn't want to be a brand officer or anything like that. So she's asked, do you want to be more like your dad Triple H then? Do you want to do more like NXT stuff, developmental? Yeah. No, no, no. Don't want to do that either. So what what career do you want to do then? Do you want to work in wrestling? Oh, yeah. I want to be the next Vince McMahon. Oh, my fucking God. So you think about with the heels Stephanie personality that she's already got. And she's only 13 or so at the moment. She's really young. And she's aiming to be in Vince's shoes. Like, that's her aim, is to be in charge of the whole company. Like, that role. Fucking hell. She's going to be a powerful kid. Like, powerful grown-up, I think. Because there's obviously the approach of parenting is a lot different now than it was then. Mm. You know, and I imagine even by how parenting has changed in those 30 or 40 years or whatever, I imagine how Triple H and Steffi are raising their kids is much different to how Vince and Linda ever did. Oh, God. I, I know they try and they spend as much time with them as possible. Oh, they're I, really good with them, yeah. I was reading about their schedule. It's fucking freaky because to spend the time with them that they want to spend and to do all the things they want to do, they like have kid time between like, like 6 p.m. and like midnight and then at midnight Triple H and Steph then they go work out wow. so they work out for two or three hours at midnight mm. and have a personal trainer and gym and all that jazz in their house and then they go to bed and wake up at 6 a.m. to go take the kids to school Jesus Christ which is fucking hellish I'm not sure the kids should be staying up till midnight no no I, I, I'm not sure I'm not sure if the kids go to bed at midnight but that's oh, when right. they start working out like they have kid time then the kids go to bed and then they work out and do all their other shit one of the really nice things they do I think, is that they take their kids out on dates. And I know that sounds creepy and weird. It sounds like a weird Vince thing. Like he's going to date Stephanie, but it's not like Ah. that. It's a nice, it's a wholesome, it's like a family date. And they basically, they do it so that they can make sure that they each spend time with each of their kids one-on-one. So you take one kid out for it. That's a really good idea. so good because I only got more than one child. A child is going to get overlooked at some point because that's just the nature of children. They are a lot to handle. Because yeah, you and I are both, we're both part of tag team, you know, we're both part of tag teams in our family. Yeah. You know, there's two kids and even with two kids you can feel a bit left out. Exactly, And that's yeah. without there being the three kids and the middle child and I can imagine what that is like. Yeah, especially when your parents own a million dollar business. Yikes! <laughs> and they have to work out all the time and do press conferences and all that. So yeah, time is limited. So they take them out for nice meals and they do like things that the kids want to do together one-on-one. And that's just lovely. That's that's good parenting there. The few little peeks into that world that you get, it is quite heartwarming and yeah. it's nice to see. And I think that's one thing that I, I just, I need to really feel, I have to point that out with Stephanie, is that yes, she is her father's daughter, but there is a part of her that is... I mean, I don't use Linda as a fucking beacon of example fucking in the Trump administration or anything like that, but there is a less insane, less evil part of her, I think. Like, someone tweeted in, they said that Vince is like 200% evil and 100% crazy. Steph is 50% crazy and 100% evil. I think that is how I kind of can relay it in my mind. Yeah. It feels like those kids are getting a much different upbringing and are being much more protected, and possibly their options have been kept open a bit more, because I don't think, no matter what Shane and Stephanie say, there was never any moment where Vince was like, well, maybe they don't want to be in the family business. Or maybe it's not appropriate for children to be in the wrestling industry from such a young age. I mean, keep in mind, this is this is the Vince McMahon when Stephanie was pregnant with Aurora, wanted to be a storyline where Shane was revealed to be the father, or he was revealed to be the father. Yeah. Like, he had two different incest angles in his back pocket. So you can see why Stephanie was maybe... I like that kind of... That time away Stephanie spent, it was like... It was a very considerable amount of time. She came back into the screens maybe on a more consistent weekly basis around 2000, 
11, 12 maybe? Mm. She was gone for a long time and I think it was needed because her character was really oversaturated. I think I worked it out. Stephanie has been dragged out, kicking and screaming away forever from the wrestling business three different times. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. You don't get that more than once usually as a villain. <laughs> when she does come back, she comes back then as being the on-screen chief brand officer, being you know with Triple H as the authority. We saw a bit of the authority during Daniel Bryan's storyline and whatnot. And... This is where a lot of people started to have major issues with the Stephanie character because she became this kind of more corporate speaking type of character as opposed to just being like an evil, wicked witch. And she, I think she's rubbed a lot of fans the wrong way with some of the verbiage, some of the promos, some of the things that her character has done. I do think it's worth bearing in mind that even though she was head of creative from 2007 onwards, by this point in time, 2013, she was no longer involved in the creative process. And I was looking at, like, what I was asking people, why do you not like Stephanie the character? And a lot of the things they were coming up with were stuff that happened after she was no longer involved in the creative process. Mm. Like, her slapping people all the time. That's something that people have a huge issue with. That's going to be a bigger issue than, like, all the gross stuff that she was involved in? Apparently so. Right, priorities. You know, priorities, obviously, but uh, it's one thing, like, you know, sexualizing your own daughter and maybe wanting her to have an incestuous child in kayfabe. It's another thing when she slaps Roman Reigns for no reason. How dare you? Now, you've seen Stephanie on TV, you know, week to week a fair bit since we've been watching. Yeah. She slapped Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, Chris Jericho. She slapped fucking Vince. She slapped Shane. She, she slapped a lot of people in that time. The issue people have is that Stephanie as a character often will do these very chastising promos to no kind of, you know, recourse. She get No revenge is taken out on her, for instance. Right. Like, she would go backstage and find Charlotte. Charlotte's a heel. And she, Stephanie's a heel as well. And she'd be like, you're making your father ashamed. The way you defend that belt is a disgrace. You need to show that you can actually earn this championship. What you do is pathetic. And Charlotte just goes, oh, okay, I guess. Or The Miz comes out. And The Miz is like a bad guy who thinks he's a big deal as a Hollywood superstar. And she's like, Miz, you're a C-plus player at best. No one takes you seriously. We send you around the world to do the jobs none of us care about because you're so much of an egotist. No one else wants to do it. You don't get to be on red carpet premieres, Miz, because your movies aren't released in theatres. Wow. And it's like, okay, bury Miz and the WWE Films division at the same time. Now, does that show a pattern of Stephanie doing stuff and not getting revenge i mean i don't understand what people want with this revenge i honestly it makes me a bit uncomfortable this whole discussion yeah. I, I find it a bit creepy how many people want to have women be revenged upon maybe it's time to have a look back at how women were treated historically with revenge and maybe put your ideas of being like being pushed into gravy or big cakes maybe put that aside for a second and realize yeah. that times have changed I think the issue people have is it's that because she's a heel authority figure and heel authority figures be it Vince McMahon or Paul Heyman or Eric Bischoff or whoever it is will often be like I'm going to fuck with the, the good guy and then the good guy does something then to kind of get over and get a bit of heat and it's like yeah you can't hold the good guy down the issue people have is Stephanie heel authority figure will come up to you know a good guy like Dean Ambrose or Daniel Bryan or AJ or Charlotte or AJ or whoever it may be and she'll chastise them cut them down and then that's it. Nothing happens. I mean, that sounds to me like it's a problem with the creative team, not with Stephanie. Yeah, that, take issue with the creative, because that is rubbish creative. And if it's like, oh, well, we can't have the wrestler hit her because she's a woman, point taken, well, then think of something else. Yeah, there's other things you can do. You know, yeah. And I 
I, I have to admit, I do agree that more often than not, in the past, Stephanie has been in those situations where she's gotten one up on a good guy. And it's hard to be a fucking good guy at the moment yeah. in wrestling. It's impossible. And if a cool bad guy comes out and makes a really good point and then slaps you and then walks off and that's the end of it. Seems to me like the way you can solve this is by having the good guy have the last laugh. Yeah. Figure out a way for them to have the last laugh. That doesn't involve them, you know. Yeah, hitting her. You know, it can be a witty retort. Think of all the times Steve Austin played mind games on Vince McMahon without even touching him or even being in the same state as him. Yeah, he made Vince piss his pants. He sprayed Vince with beer. He did, like, he filled his car full of cement. Yeah. Like, most of the things Vince had happened to him by Steve Austin wasn't a stunner or him being beat up fill stephanie's office with horse manure come on there's loads of things you can do it it speaks to a lack of creativity and you know what is it an issue with that the writers are maybe intimidated by stephanie of course she's fucking intimidating and do the writers feel intimidated by vince mcmahon and not want to have stephanie maybe come off poorly and not have the last laugh because they don't think Vince would like that I think that's stupid because Vince would love that Vince always wants to have it happen to (laughs) him yeah and he loves it when it happens to Stephanie as well that's probably why he was most involved during the time when this was actually happening to Stephanie when she was getting her comeuppance week on week out and it probably speaks as well to the fact that there's too much wrestling at the moment because from this 2013 period onwards, I can think of when she was thrown into a big chocolate pudding by Vicky Guerrero. She was put through a table by Roman Reigns. She was arrested because of uh, Brie Bella saying that she attacked her. Like, I can think of many instances. I mean, Ronda Rousey, Jesus Christ. In the broke last, her arm. She broke her arm twice and then she came back with her arm in a sling and she broke it again. Like, she has had a lot of things happen to her. And I think... Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Burn the witch. Burn the witch. Burn the witch. Google gabble. Google gabble. <laughs> but like, you know, yes, they have filled up 10, 15 minute segments of Stephanie berating people because they haven't had anything else to do. It's a bad creative process. It's not her fault. Yeah, that seems a bit a bit harsh to blame Stephanie for that. Do you that. think Stephanie's legitimately going, you know what would be great, guys? <laughs> if I talked about how really bad Dean Ambrose looks and how he not is not a superstar and then I hit him and then he just does nothing about no, it. No, because if Stephanie was involved, Stephanie's Vince's daughter. She would be coming up with the ideas like every probably more ideas than anyone else in terms of ways she could get her comeuppance Steph loves that shit when it's the big angles and it's the actual when she's involved when she's involved when it's the shit that matters like the next match we're about to talk about her and Brie or with her and Ronda and when there's actual like thought going into it yeah she does get her comeuppance when it's them trying to fill out fucking six hours of TV a week and they don't know how to do it with long authority promos do you remember watching three hour Raws in 2013 it sucked yeah all of it sucked. all of it it was really hard there to watch bigger issues big creative issues at the time and I think that people need to maybe stop laying all the blame on the person who wasn't even fucking involved in creative you know it's a culture that she helped create because when she was head of creative she ruled with an iron fist mm. you know there's like a lot of stories that ex-writers have told about stuff that she would say that was really weird or you know there was a story I told you where a guy had joined and he was uh, a former doctor and he wanted to become a wrestling writer it was his lifelong dream and he was in the meeting with Stephanie and a couple of wrestlers pitching ideas and he says to Johnny Ace John Laurinaitis you might know from Total Bellas oh yeah and he goes, Johnny, I just wanted to say, I loved when you were in all Japan wrestling in the 90s. I was a big fan of your work. I thought it was incredible. And Stephanie pulls him out of the room and takes him to one side and says, you don't talk to the talk to the boys about wrestling. It makes you, that's not WWE. Wow. It'll, it'll make them think that you're a mark. 
so never do that again. And never was, be a fan. But he was like, this is ridiculous. The wrestlers won't respect you if you don't know about wrestling. Yep. And if you know about wrestling, Stephanie says that you're a mark. No, no, no. It's not if you know about wrestling. It's if you like wrestling. Yeah, if you like wrestling. You have to it. know about wrestling and hate it. That's or what the real fans not do. not know about any wrestling that didn't happen in WWE, I yeah. think. It's just... But again... I think all Paul Heyman on his documentary he talked so much because historically they had a lot they butted heads a lot him and Stephanie and he talked a lot about how much he hated working with her mm. but he was like you don't un-, he is the most apologetic he's the biggest Steph apologist ever because yeah. he's like you do not know what it's like to work with Vince McMahon and can you imagine what it would be like if that man was your father and you had to yeah. answer to him and try and impress him it's fucking hard yeah, you know I can't imagine I literally cannot Imagine. So we are going to talk about one of Steph's biggest matches in recent years. This was heavily requested. From 2014, following an 11-year absence from the ring, Stephanie McMahon taking on Brie Bella at SummerSlam 2014, which I believe, thinking back now, this is one of the first shows that I ever watched with you. We watched this, uh, like, this would have been like two or three months after we first started dating. Yeah. And we watched we we drank dragon soup and we watched this in uh, in Lincoln and I was absolutely petrified about you watching this. Why? Because I was like, you better be good, fucking <laughs> seriously. And or this else was girl dump me. Seriously, yeah. Otherwise, she's gonna be like, why did I stay up at all this? She'll never start this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take a day off work to watch this with you. That was true. God, yeah, hardcore. This is the night where you got introduced to Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Brock Lesnar, John Cena. But this is going back now to watch this one with uh, diligent note-taking, which is always the best way to watch wrestling. I do like a lot that this is set on the backdrop of heavy branding of Mountain Dew. And I've been very embarrassed watching this show with you. How flagrant Jerry nice can of sprunt there lawler like. It's great. This match starts off with Jerry taking a huge swig of Mountain Dew from his nearly opened bottle, only for him to wince in pain. But he winced, you know, and then he looked at it kind of like... Then he smiles, like, mm. Oh, I thought it didn't taste nice, but now that I remember it's the sponsor, that is the only dew with dye in it. Ooh, ah. Smooth. Oh, sorry, this is the dew with dye in it. Oh, I see, that <laughs> makes sense. Uh, the, the promo package for this one, which you told me featured several instances of good usage of the word bitch in wrestling. I'm particular about that. Now, it's been used a lot recently. For me, I find that, like... Anytime now it's like a serious women's angle, someone has to call someone a bitch. I hate that. Yeah, it's overused. It's so overused. If Charlotte, Becky Lynch, or Ronda never say the word bitch again, I'll be a happy man. Yeah, same. But here, you thought it worked well. Why? There are certain women who I feel can pull off the word bitch. Yeah. And it's people like the Bellas. And I... I I wish I could put my finger on why it is I'm okay with like the Bellas and even then it's not always I don't like like Nikki Bella overused bitch oh yeah she's, like, she's the one who much. started the overuse yeah. I think yeah but I think Bree's use of the word bitch is actually quite it's well timed and it's appropriate for the situation like okay the context of when she says that Stephanie's a bitch is, is worth noting so the authority had been feuding with Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan was now injured and it was basically we're going to get to Bryan through the Bellas and that's where we're going to start fucking with Brie and Nikki 
Brie said she quit because she didn't need this stinking job anymore and Nikki's left on her own. So they start putting Nikki in like handicap matches. She has to wrestle with her arm tied behind her back. And Brie starts going to the shows as a fan in the audience. Yeah, she literally, she has a ticket. Stephanie at one point comes up to her and is like, remove this woman. She should not be here. She's broken into the wrestling stadium and we've um, security, get rid of her. And then Brie waves her ticket to show that she's paid. She's a paying fan. She has a right to be there. And then... Stephanie just attacks her. And it's then that Brie calls her a bitch. She goes, Oh my god, you're such a bitch. Yeah, and it's great. No one has ever used that cadence in wrestling. You're such a bitch. Now, that sounded very authentically Total Bellas right there. Thank you. I really pride myself on my Bellas impersonations. So, Stephanie then gets arrested for battery (laughs) because she's attacked a fan. Yeah. I love it. I don't know, like that is it's a real bitch thing to do. You know, the the CEO of well, yes, the chief brand officer of WWE coming out, Stephanie McMahon of all people, and then attacking a member of the audience. That that is a bit of a bitch thing to do. I love her being like arrested and being taken away. And Triple H is like, Ugh, can can she not go to prison, please? Like, <laughs> nope, stay in Florida says that she's been assaulted and battered, so she has to go down town. She's like, Again, quite a bit of comeuppance there. But you know what? It's, it's going to be like when you look back historically, the big feuds have all this comeuppance in it. Like, Is it know? just that people at the time are like, oh, Stephanie's done a bad thing and she hasn't got her immediate comeuppance and then it comes up later and people just don't like it? No, honestly, I, I understand it when it's like if you're watching week to week and there's fucking, it's hundreds of hours and it happened hundreds of times. They were lazy with their use of her as a character. Right. Very lazy. But they were lazy with the use of pretty much every, like Eric Bischoff, Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon are all heel authority figures as well who also they got lazy with and just re- overused the concept of a heel authority figure has been overused a whole hell of a lot so she's borne the brunt of a lot of that I think but this was great she's like coming out there like all crying like please don't press charges I'll do anything you want she's like yeah okay I won't press charges and we'll have a match at SummerSlam she's like but match we can't have a match but I guess if we were to have a match and she just smacks her then I'm gonna make you my bitch oh my god yeah Fucking Stephanie McMahon. I love mm. that. I absolutely love this. Mm-hmm. It is kind of tacky and kind of Jerry Springer-y. It's but... totally Jerry Springer. And normally I wouldn't be into Steph calling people bitches. But the fact that it's a reference to Brie calling her a bitch, I just think it's appropriate. There's yeah. A, there is a time and a place to use gendered slurs, I think. And it's it's never by men. With the fake ass bitch from Roman uh. and little bitch and all this bitch bitch talk from, no. from the men last year was, was a bit much... And I think as well, if you were Stephanie and you're going to call someone a bitch, the best way to follow it up is by saying, I'm going to tear your heart out! (laughs) This was great. This was Steph now where she started to kind of delve in a little bit more to that really over-the-top heel character. I'll never forget when she showed up at WrestleMania dressed up as a Skull Queen and she like spoke from a mountaintop like, we are the authority, we will rule forever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know her and Triple H have a lot of fun with this. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Steph's outfit here for this match with Brie Bella. I hate it. You hate it? People were obsessed with it. I know. I remember at the time pretending I liked it because this was a new industry to me and I didn't know who all the cool kids were so i was just happy to be there and be invited but i hated this outfit you know everyone remembers the first leather jumpsuit they see in wrestling and it's 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 a it's a big thing and it's it's 
uh, a lot of senses get a get awoken at the same time. So it's it's understandable that you needed time to process the this jumpsuit. What are the issues with the jumpsuit? Well, my main issue first is that it has flares. Nothing should have flares. Not yeah, you really? Flares. There's a lot of flares. I mean, a, a lot of uh, a lot of online retailers would disagree with you. Flares are, are all over the place at the moment. Online retailers are wrong. And I say this as someone who grew up wearing flares. Yeah. Flares were in when I was a teen. So I'm allowed to say this. Joe, to quote Bobby Heenan, you need to be fair to flares. Okay, it's only right. I am being fair. That's the fair of judgment is that they're shit. I hate them. <laughs> You're not going to get me upset. You're not going to do it. You're not going to make me upset. <laughs> it's also just too much. There's diamantes, there's studs, there's a corset bit at the front, there's panelling. It's there's made a of zip thing. There's a zip thing. There's some little word on the back that I tried to read and yeah. couldn't find it, what it was. No idea. Really weird, though, at the start, which is coming out. They're in Los Angeles. It's 2014. And who does she walk past in the crowd? Oh, she goes past Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, uh, Jessica and Schaefer. It's it's the whole four horsemen and women of MMA. It's very interesting seeing, uh, and obviously tipsy Ronda Rousey, just like having fun at a wrestling show. Yep. Little did we know, like, God, three or four Actually, years. Actually, we did. I think we did know. I remember you point. saying at the time... There's rumours. Oh, man. Look at me. I was prescient at the time. Yeah. I don't think all the stuff about, like, Shayna and the, the other two. I don't think there was much about that at the time. But... That's, that's the problem, is when you make predictions from before you have a podcast, it's less impactful than when you make predictions on a podcast that then come out to be true. Because mm. right now, it's just, like, me and you telling people that I said that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, it's really amazing that I it. did. <laughs> I do like Shayna Baszler, the obvious mark of the bunch with her fucking Paul Haven t-shirt yeah. on. <laughs> a thing with Stephanie that uh, I, I really only noticed when she's wrestling against Brie here. She is so goddamn tall. Yeah, she's very tall. She is a very tall and a body shape not like many of the other women in wrestling. She's quite statuesque. Like. I would argue that if Stephanie hadn't been Vince's daughter, there's no way in hell she would have been a wrestler when she was. Not Not... I'm not talking about current day, although yeah. I guess that too. But I, I mean, during like the Attitude Era, there's no way. Her body shape is totally, inverted commas, wrong. And also, she is quite unathletic. Uh, yeah, you know. That too, not that that mattered at the time. No, not that that mattered at the time. <laughs> but I mean, but, yeah. like, there was very much a, a shape of the, the divas at the time. And oh, it was yeah. this very svelte, thin, athletic... It's the Tory slash Sable slash Sunny slash Terry slash Trish slash yeah. Tory Wilson look. Yeah. Which is very well established in what yeah. they liked at and the time. Stephanie isn't that. She's tall. She's broad. She's quite heavy set in some respects. Like she's she's big boned. She is. She's like quite. She's quite an intimidating figure when you see her against like a lot of the very petite women that they have hired historically. People have said that is an issue when you see like you know when Stephanie does any of the announcements relating to the women and she's then stood in a ring, towering over all of these quite small petite women and that it makes out that Stephanie is very imposing and powerful and the women kind of aren't on her level so to speak look at your height bias I guess yeah I mean that's your problem not mine I've experienced height bias in my it's the same reason why I can't get a good seat on a Ryanair flight like so yeah lay off yeah (laughs) can't help how tall we are folks Uh, yeah I think honestly quick diversion here about height I think people put way too much stock into height in general they put way too much pressure on men to be on men to be tall and women to be small and it's it's height you can't help how tall you are and the surgeries to change your height are among the most painful in the entire world you could ever possibly get so 
let's all shut up about whether or not people are are too tall and they make the people look look small or intimidating or something like it doesn't it, it's much more to do with camera angles and, and posture perspective and posture and lighting and things like that makeup and what you wear it's if people thought that i've gotten two inches taller since i met you it's because you told me about posture yeah i which, have made you, you know, two inches taller thank you very much so everyone who's complaining about it just think about your posture probably you'll get your ideal height that way i don't know i know it's something that historically wwe has really preyed upon like it's why they hire so many tiny women and for these men. interview segments yeah. and these big big men but i don't like it and i think mm. it's there's way too much weight put into it i, I mean i like i like that we have some very tiny performers, both yeah. men and women. I mean, you know, I think I, that's great. I, I, I think we said it many times this podcast. I don't care if there's big people or small people. I just want a really good mix yeah. for both men and the women of width, height, breadth, whatever the fuck it is. I want to see various sizes. I don't want everyone to be a tiny Alexa Bliss. I don't want everyone to be a giant Braun Strowman. I want there to be a sweet. I yeah. want a nice good spread there. You yeah, know? I get bored easy. So Absolutely. I, need, I need my selection box. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie McMahon clobbers Brie and gets a massive yes chance. I think people are quite happy to see Steph wrestling here. She also gets a you still got a chance. Yeah. As uh, wrote down here, Triple H is definitely into this. His very tall wife dressed all in leather beating up on Daniel Bryan's wife who is a third of the size he's so into this I was like oh yeah he's in her corner he's mysteriously absent for the first 10 minutes of this what you think he's jacking off I don't, no I'm just saying he's watching intently later he's going to jack hard, off that would be hard wouldn't it if he uh and getting a big stonking boner in the middle of the night. Like, so... wait a minute like he gets caught up in the ropes like you know? <laughs> if I was a wrestler and my opponent kicked me in the stomach 20 times in a row like Brie does to Stephanie. Yeah. I, personally, would, like, gag and cough and splutter and stuff. I'd be like... One thing was egregious when it fell out people in this is the fact that Stephanie was on offense for so much of this match. They mm. thought that, oh, first match in 11 years and it's against Brie Bella, Steph should get beat up lots and just be cowering. Because that's what she did before. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like the idea that like, now that she's like... She's oh, had MMA training now. Yeah, just saying. her and Triple H like dressed in like fucking, you know, training like tanks, goddamn, yeah. all the time. I do like the idea of the spluttering though. I think Stephanie could have pulled off the spluttering uh, quite well. You I know? just think generally in wrestling there's not enough of that. If you get kicked in like in the stomach it wins you and you do you end up gagging and coughing and you can't breathe properly and I want to see more convincing authentic selling from particularly people particularly like from yeah from people in winded going <gasps> you know, people should gasp a bit yeah. more and, and gurgle you like know like Shane does sometimes yes but I think that was actually because of his diverticulitis yeah <laughs> We have Triple H appearing with, again, another really bad suit. What is going on with Triple H? Maybe because he's such a weird shape, he can't find any suits to fit him. That's bull. You can get a good suit tailored, Triple I know, H. I know. I'm lying. Speaking as a man no excuse. I've worn ill-fitting clothes for a majority of my life. It makes a big difference, like... People think you lose weight. It's really easy. You don't have to do anything. Just buy new clothes, it's like... It's true. So great, like... <laughs> You want to work out? You want to sit on your couch and buy some clothes that fit? Do that instead. It takes half the time. <laughs> the pedigree by Stephanie getting countered into the yes lock. We have uh, both of these women doing their husband's finishers here. Yeah. Does that mean this match does not pass the Bechdel test? Mm, I don't know what that would be in wrestling. <laughs> I don't think there is such a thing no. in wrestling. Like. Triple H yanks the referee out of the ring just as Brie is about to make Tef Stephanie tap out. 
And then Triple H starting a, a big career here of overselling for women who attack him. Breed does a dropkick to Triple H. He does a big like Shawn Michaels spinning in the air like. <laughs> fucking love this. Nikki Bella comes out and the two Bellas corner Stephanie who's cowering and pleading for them to let her be. And then Nikki decks Brie. We get the pedigree and Steph picks up the win as Triple H smiles his eyes out. But what I was really more paying attention to here is Triple H's view of Nikki Bella. I mean, this is shown to me in gift form. When Triple H walks by Nikki Bella at the end, it proper looks like he is staring a hole in her chest. It does. I don't think he is, though. I think it's just his wrinkly hooded eyes. <laughs> what to make him look? He's peering at everything. Well, he's got wrinkly hooded eyes. He has. He's got very... His face in general is quite fleshy. Yeah. There's a lot of skin on it. And I think also as well the fact that he's looking over her shoulder. The fact that if you think he can look over her shoulder and around and down at her cleavage. Yeah. That's, I don't know if Triple H, unless Triple H is a very well placed mirror on the ring apron. I don't think that would have been possible. Yeah. And also, why would he? I mean, Nikki Bella wears that outfit all the time. He doesn't have to look at it like that on like WrestleMania when everyone will be looking at where he's looking. And also... Have you seen Stephanie's breasts? Like, you don't need to look elsewhere when you've got them at home. I mean, like, if you want to see someone very obviously stare at another person's cleavage, it's Vince McMahon on yeah. his daughter's wedding night. Yeah, that is, that, that is, that that is, is it. it yeah. Compare and contrast those. Give reference to the text. <laughs> I just love Triple H being so happy for Stephanie. Like, there's like, there's some of the two of them because they so obviously genuinely love each other yeah. and they love playing this role. It's like fun for them obviously oh yeah you can tell it's fun and i mean i think at the time people were were pissed off that stephanie won the match and it set up a feud with the bellas that didn't really go anywhere again i think this has proved that stephanie is a high profile performer and you could put her in the ring with with any of the women and it would be a very compelling storyline my only annoyance is that she's not wrestled more you know, I really think she'd be in there. Like, the fact that she had this match and then she went and she did the stuff with Ronda, I'd love to see her in there with, like, you know, Alexa Bliss or Charlotte or Becky or Bailey or Naomi. There's so many great wrestlers. I would, but how on earth could she find the time for that? Really? Like, she's already working a more than full-time job with being chief yeah. brand officer. And then she's got to be a character in wrestling generally anyway. And she's got to keep her health up and do yeah. her MMA. And she's a mother, mother of three, three children. Well, yeah. And she's an active mother. It's not like she's just sending them off to, to nurseries all the time. It's. I was wondering if you agree with me on this. Because Vince wrestles so much in his career. Like he had to be told to stop. Too much, too, we could definitely say. Definitely too much. Do you think that Vince loves being in the ring more than Stephanie? Because I think Stephanie loves being a performer. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think she loves actually being in the ring, taking bumps and all that, getting hit like Vince does? I think she's come to enjoy it more as she's gotten older. Yeah. I think with the MMA training, I think she's gotten into it a bit more. Yeah. But yeah, I think for her, the main fun bit is the character work. It's You can t- see in her eyes, like when she gets to be a heel, it's, it looks so fun. Yeah, I mean, I'd way rather to cut heel promos than take fucking bumps. Yeah, like, who wouldn't? I think Vince has this weird like machismo thing where it's like, hit me. I think with Vince, it's like a sadism thing. Yeah, I think he, he genuinely... Loves the idea of him taking shots yeah. that are like that he knows other wrestlers in the roster would be like you know de- wouldn't dare to do. It's like, how he gets you know? his adrenaline shot. Like it's how we get record amounts of blood being shed anytime Vince comes into the ring. Yeah. Like. your star rating for this one, Joe. I enjoyed this match. Yeah, but the wrestling itself didn't really impress me. I, I think my favorite thing about this was actually the storyline around it. I really yeah. really liked this whole angle. It was very cool, and it made perfect sense why Nikki would turn on Brie. 
within the context of everything that happened. Mm. I loved I loved the angle, but the match itself less keen on, so I only gave it two stars. Two stars. Was it that there wasn't enough like moves or what was yeah, it? Yeah, it was the the wrestling itself didn't really pull me in. Steph's obviously better at this point than she was. Yeah. But this still isn't a great wrestling match. I think it's it's like the Vince McMahon thing. It's the story going in and the story going out. Mm. The matches are never going to be the most athletic of affairs. But the crowd react to it like they're you know, most of the match is kind of hair pulls and stuff. But you know, Stephanie Compared to stuff she does here to what she did in the match with Sable, I mean, there is wrestling moves. They yes, lock there up, are, yeah. they do submissions. There's a lot, there is an ebb and flow. It is a wrestling match. It's not a cat fight at all. Like. Yeah. So, again, it does make me kind of just say, God damn, I wish she was wrestling more during this interviewing period. Because, you know, as she's getting older, I feel she's not going to be wrestling more now. No. I would be surprised if we see her wrestle more than once or twice more before she calls the quits. Yeah. I don't think we need to see her wrestle more. Yeah. Though. I think it's. It almost feels selfish to want to see her wrestle more. Yeah, I think her kids need her at home more than we need to see her wrestle. Yeah, can you make sure that your eldest doesn't grow into Vince McMahon, please? Yeah, seriously, you've got like the demon fucking child in your home. Can you just fucking make sure that's all alright before you give us any more matches? <laughs> Coming up next, we decided to round it off with a match that we've already reviewed on our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash wrestling, where you get access to over 50 episodes of pay-per-view reviews going all the way back in depth to SummerSlam 2015. We had a lot of fun last year, of course, talking about WrestleMania 34, but one just to revisit more from a Steph-centric point of view. It was, of course, Stephanie McMahon and her husband Triple H taking on Randy Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle. We've had lots to say about Ronda in our reviews and our deep dives over on Patreon. The feud with Ronda and Stephanie, kind of looking back now, it's been a year. It's hard to hard to think, really. Oh, like, it feels so much longer. Does it? Mm. It feels longer ago for you. It kind of yeah. feels like yesterday for me for some really? reason. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, huh. But Stephanie and Ronda, the storyline, as a fan watching it, and maybe you weren't particularly enamored with Ronda, mm. how was this feud for you? What were your memories of it? I think at the time, I thought it was a pretty cool idea, considering who was involved. Although I always thought it strange that Kurt Angle was the one to team up with Ronda Rousey. That yeah, yeah. is weird to me. I think me. that was a Ronda request, as far as I know, like, yeah. and a way to get Kurt on the show. Yeah. It was originally going to be Ronda and The Rock, I think, was the yeah, original. Yeah, because that was the, the WrestleMania 2 before then. Where yeah, was, they set yeah, it up, yeah. When Ronda Rousey wore her Dragon Ball Z over 9000 meme t-shirt. Cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the angle itself was was all right at the time. I must admit, I, I enjoyed it more this time watching it. There was a lot of anticipation and apprehension, and so much talk about Ronda because she's such a fucking much like Stephanie, but in much different ways. Uh, she's a very very polarizing figure. Is is old Ronda, and I think the anticipation of her actually coming in and what it would be like to see her wrestling probably took up everyone's thought process at the time. Yeah, because I think we all thought she was going to be a bit crap. Yeah, I think we thought that it would be a, a struggle for her to adapt to it. Because she hadn't been wrestling for long at all. And when... the crowd were possibly not going to be very welcoming of this outsider. People were worried as well. I, I guess people were. I wasn't worried about that. I knew the fans would love her. Yeah, because I don't know. All the stuff about Rousey and people saying, you know, that she was uh, not a very nice wrestling person. Wrestling fans don't care. Like, the average mainstream wrestling fan doesn't care. But they hate her now. Like, they hated her before she turned heel. She yeah. kind of soured on that. But the reason they hate her now is because of the way she responded to the fans. And that's the thing that fans hate more than anything else mm. is breaking out of character to show that you've been affected by the fans' reaction. Like, that's amateurish. I think it just shows how 
good as a performer Stephanie is that she was able to, I think, really get everyone unanimously behind Ronda. I think that her and Triple H deserve a lot of credit for... It was obviously planned meticulously. I heard that this match was planned over like months. Like they, yeah. went, they were training constantly. Every spot in this match was thought about for a long, long time. They even trained for this match with Stephanie's kids. Really? Like they were involved and they were shown like all the moves and the, particularly the arm breaking segment because oh, yeah. Stephanie, it was the first pay-per-view where all the kids were going to be there and Stephanie was going to be wrestling. So they wanted it to be very clear for the children that Stephanie was going to be okay, right. even though her arm was broken. So they actually got Rhonda to, to wrestle with some of the kids to show them that the moves don't hurt, but it's, it looks amazing. like it's really painful. Yeah, it's a really good idea. That's like, that is how you like prepare your kids to see what they're going to see. Yeah. And don't go up to Mick Foley and be like, <laughs> oh, The Rock's my dad's friend, so it's okay. He's not going to hurt me. Like, here, I'll show you. Rock, hit my son 11 uh... times in the head with a chair when he asked you to stop. Like, oh, God. God. You know that that's like that's good parenting right there. Yeah, that comes second to uh, Maria Mike Canellas putting earmuffs on their baby when they take him to see wrestling oh, live. Like, that's so cute. Very as well. cute and very thoughtful. If you're Sensible. taking a yeah, if you're taking a baby to a wrestling show, big or small, the earmuffs. It's a good idea. Yeah, seriously, good idea. Yeah, Stephanie is being kind of pushed at this point in time as well. Is they're trying to make her as being like bigger than WWE. I think they wanted to push her as being like. As being like like Vince, essentially, as mm. you know, being this big, larger than life character, and of course, it's around this time as well. There was the rumors that Steph was going to be writing her autobiography. And oh yes, Lady Balls. Lady Balls. Would you believe that the Lady Balls autobiography has been delayed until twenty twenty? What? When yeah. she's going to run for president? Oh fuck off, Joe. Can fuck imagine off. though, can't you? I could. Yes, actually, out of anyone in the wrestling world, she would be up there. Yeah, along with The Rock. That would be a fucking fun presidential campaign. Uh, America, you're weird. I'm just saying, like... Oh, like, we can talk. Yeah, all right, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, the reason she's not doing Lady Balls is it's just been shelved. I know that the Lady Balls trademark they weren't able to actually get in the end. They applied for the trademark, but apparently there's a women's novelty product called Lady Balls. That means that they a joke product that they can't get that copyright yet so what a shame might as well shelve the whole autobiography I mean it is weird because we watched two Stephanie interview things like a Facebook live chat she did they're up on the WWE channel it's really weird because they're like half an hour long completely unedited and it starts with her like assistant holding a phone up to her and Steph is like are you recording yeah uh, hi oh. uh, 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 so awkward and it's unedited and she's like I'm writing every single day she's got a big fucking pad she's like yeah this book is nearly written and she's like you're going to be so surprised about what I say in here there's so many really big moments and stuff you don't know and lots of big secrets and you guys are going to love it it's going to be a really amazing read and now there's nothing about it and that was like yeah two years ago so I'm really excited to read it I'm sure it'll be great I'm sure you think it's going to come out still? I think it will yeah just mm. not yet I don't know I think Vince might have a thing or two to say about a book like that's very open Really? I, I, I can't imagine with Vince still being in control any sort of a tell-all book from a McMahon family member. I just can't. I'm sure it'll be heavily edited, but I think Stephanie and Triple H together could easily convince Vince that it's a good idea. Just think about it. It's like the first ever autobiography from a McMahon. It's going to sell like hotcakes. Do you think it would be truthful? I think it would be true events, but some of the true events will have been neatly edited out. Because I think she'll opt not to talk about most of the stuff that people would want her to talk about. Yeah, I think it will be probably the truth, but not the whole truth. 
Like when she was on Howard Stern, he's like, you know, your dad bragged about having affairs all the time. What do you think about that? And she's like, uh, I didn't like it. He doesn't do it anymore, though. So it's okay. It's all right. Mm. I think I felt bad for my mom. Uh, there's there's a lot of stories there like that. Sure. Oh, yeah. And similarly, like, I know there was a lot of storylines that she came up with ideas for for Vince. And I think some of them were to do with like women's storylines that right. he immediately knocked down and said, nope, absolutely not. Nope. I veto it. Nope, nope, nope not letting you do it those obviously aren't storylines involving Vince making out with women because no, there's no, plenty of fine. those yeah so Stephanie and Triple H get a big crazy Wrestlemania entrance thoughts on their absurd over the top costumes and motorbike I love that they have like a couple's costume I don't I don't like their silly motorbikes I mean they're not motorbikes they're like quad bikes tricycles triquads I don't, triquads? I don't know what you'd call it it's not a tricycle. It's not a tricycle. No. Are we sure about that? Because yeah. all right, okay. Motor trike is that a thing? Like maybe a motorized tricycle. A motor trike. If no one is, is using that, I'm going on Shark Tank with that. The motor trike. Okay. I think you need more than just a name. Oh, what's well, the concept? It's a. Oh wait, no. They've already got them here. Haven't they? It's just a new name. I can't go on Shark Tank with a new name for an existing product. <laughs> no. So they've run a thousand bikes accompanying them. And the only thing that makes this entrance not cool is the announcers going, Wow! What a cool entrance! <laughs> this has to be the coolest entrance I've ever seen! Stephanie and Triple H, what a cool entrance those guys have. Executive Stephanie and Triple H is no more. Now they are competitors. They've been competitors a few times. It's, it's nice to see them tag up as husband and wife, though. It is. That is the coolest thing about this, honestly, is seeing Triple H and Stephanie together, like, as a team... Knowing how happy they are, they seemingly together, and it's nice having seen them like you know grow as a couple together as well. Like when you think back to their sickeningly in love little heel moments where they're feeding yeah. each other grapes, and you've got them now as like badass biker gang, total stars of the show. It's just nice to kind of see that they're still together and they've they're you know apparently stronger than ever. There is there's always a chemistry there with them. Like, yeah. Definitely. Stephanie told him in the interviews that we watched, Howard Stern asked, he was like, how did you know when Triple H like was flirting with you and stuff? And she was quite vague about it a lot. And she's like, oh, he'd give me certain looks or during certain promos when he'd say certain lines. But she said there was one time during a match and he got knocked to the outside of the ring. And as he was like stumbling around to get back into the ring, he like touched her leg. Wow. And she's like, as soon as he did that, she's like, she knew that he was... Uh, you know, he, he made the first move, I think. Wow. Intriguing. I like Steph's outfit here. I've christened it Steph Rollins. Steph Rollins, very good. Yeah, it's yeah. very Seth Rollins it's look. It's like the 2014 SummerSlam look, but much better because there's no flares. Yeah, no flares and it's not just too much of it. There's no diamante studs and corset bits and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit dialed back. Dialed down, yeah. Stephanie does things like pulling down the ropes, interfering for Triple H, hitting Kurt Angle, hashtag couple goals. Will you interfere in my wrestling matches for me? Of course. Would you bop Kurt Angle's head against the steel steps? You know it. I love you. I love you too. So she keeps stopping Ronda tagging and this whole match is going to be building up to, to Ronda getting that big hot tag. And oh, I think watching it not live, this is the first time I've watched it since it went out live really kind of realizing how carefully put together it all was where stephanie is the one who keeps stopping you seeing ronda and you keep getting like oh ronda's got it no stephanie stops it and it's like a mixture of steph being an asshole but steph also being a, a total coward she knows yeah. as soon as ronda's in she's fucked <laughs> i absolutely love that i hate the tag from co angle i hate it 
Why? so much. It's rubbish. He's like crawled away into the corner. So he's, uh, he's within reach of Rhonda. And he's got his arm up, right? But it's not straight. It's just up. So it's like two inches from Rhonda's hand. And all he has to do is move it like two inches to the left. Uh, and he will literally be able to touch her. Uh, and instead he's just like waving his arm around as if that's less exhausting than just reaching two inches to touch her. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm not going to possibly comment on the various pains and ailments that Kurt Angle must feel. I sometimes have difficulty straightening out my legs. So if he can straighten out his arms, I, yeah, fine. I buy that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So we get the tag to Rhonda finally. And Rhonda annihilates Stephanie at, at a pace and a speed and a ferocity that is just fucking breathtaking. I think there's a lot to be said here for Stephanie. Sets kind of a precedent where you know, when you watch Rhonda's matches, much like Brock Lesnar, you're going to get hurt a little bit. Like, it, it's, it's going to hurt. Let's say she's going to hurt you, but she will get hurt in the process. Hmm. Those are some unsafe looking slams. Those are some very fast paced takedowns yeah those are some pretty stiff looking punches where there's connections being made and i was just thinking here her father's daughter once again because yeah alexa bliss you go out there and get your arm pulled out of your socket stephanie did it yeah. she's not even a trained wrestler yeah you know she's she's a trained mma fighter though <laughs> i think some people might take issue with with you calling her that but she has been trained okay she may not be a she has a personal trainer who does mma yeah, stuff i'm not with saying her. she's a professional but she has been trained in mma yeah she has so okay. she is a bit more qualified to take a legitimate arm bar than a wrestler i would say more than her mma training is the months of training for this specific match yeah. and all of these specific yeah. bumps and i'm just saying if you look at ronda and the injuries that have come with her from alexa from sasha from other folks you know, in that time, she works a hard style, and I think this is a lot of it was like get ready, women of WWE, because Stephanie's doing it, much like Vince would just jump off cages and take chair shots to the head. Yeah. So the rest of you are expected to do so. Not that we're saying it, of course. No, just it's you know, Heavily if you don't implied. do it, you're not as good as me, are you? Well, if you're not as good as me, why are you here? Yeah. You know. Steph starts gouging out the eyes of Rhonda as she Ooh. is given the moniker of the meanest woman on the planet. <laughs> Triple H checks on Stephanie as he then has to fight Ronda Rousey. You told me when we were watching this that you still can't believe it happened. Why is this such a shock for you to see? It was just at the time it was so it was so exciting and new to have that intergender element. Yeah. Like this match in and of itself was quite an exciting like crossover of genders. Yeah, because you know Ronda was gonna get in there with Triple H, you knew it was gonna happen. Like Yeah, been kind of leading up to this point. And then to have like Ronda could be like, come on, come on, Triple H, fight me, fight me. I dare you to fight me. And that has been set up so many times in wrestling where it's like, oh, will they, won't they? And of course they don't. But Triple H, he puts the ref in the corner and he's like, right, wait there. I'm going to fight her. And it's great. He actually so wants to fight her. And it's an important moment because him, Triple H of all people, turning to Ronda Rousey and being like, yes, okay. You are an equal competitor. I will fight you. And he's not like, a, oh, please, you want to no. fight me? He knows that she's fucking legit scary and he yeah. treats her as such. But he believes that, you know, he's Triple H so he can take her on. He's not saying that she's weak. He's saying that he's strong. Yeah. Which is the right way to do intergender matches. She... And then she just beats the shit out of him. Absolutely. She beats Pummels the fucking him. bollocks out of him. And when she picks him up for Piper's Pit, you can actually hear him scream, Stiff! 
Stephanie, help! <laughs> That's so funny. I, I love totally that. missed that. Calling out for fucking for for Steph. It's Please great. help. Steph saves him, and then she starts berating Kurt. Which you, know, I love how how she manages to get a brow beating into the middle of a match, like <laughs> like she she's doing it, even though you don't you can't hear everything she's saying. But you were pointing out that she does the big gestures, you yeah. know? She's performing for the people at the back of the room, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And then Kurt checks it's okay with the crowd. He looks around him and starts chanting yes. Then he puts the ankle lock on Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> and also a very romantic moment when husband and wife are putting dual submission holes together oh, at the same time. I'd love that. Yeah? It's slightly less romantic this one than when Dash and Dawson were in submission holes together and they're like, I love you, don't tap out. I love you too, baby. Like, you know. <laughs> um, speaking of submission holds, I just want to quickly point out that at one point in this match, Stephanie put Ronda in a surfboard and it looks really nice on the back. Oh, they had the foot on the back and the yeah. arms pulled back, yeah. So just before we recorded this episode, because I figured it would be a long one and my back was getting a bit stiff already, I got Kevin to do it to me and it was. It was really nice on my back and I'm really grateful. Thanks, Oh, Emma. you're very welcome. Wait until I do my Mexican surfboard stretch on you. That's the proper Ooh. one. I'll put your legs in there, slap the sides and we go up and I do a couple of one of those, two, oh. three of those. Then put you in the dragon sleeper. Yeah. And then we do uh, elbows cattle mutilation then we'll go home yeah oh fantastic yeah my body needs a good stretch after this you know daniel bryan the master of submissions is always doing shit like that to breed to help if she's got any pains like oh you know? that'd be lovely i mean i'm just saying what you will about the scary submission wrestlers of wwe but if you got a sore arm becky lynch and you're you're her partner i'm sure she can kink that right out like you know <laughs> dual pedigrees fail and then stephanie gets put into the arm bar and i just love this this is just the performance so you know what Vince never reaches this level because Vince would never use the verbiage in the ring he would always be a little bit like come on come on come on yeah, that's all he'd say but Steph literally going no Rhonda please I'm sorry no like finger by finger it's masterful it is possibly the best sell of a submission yeah. I've ever seen in my life yeah I, I would agree fucking love it Stephanie taps out ding dong the witch is dead <laughs> I mean, there's some come up as an half. She gets her arm broken. Yeah, the come next on. night she came out in an arm brace and had it broken again. Ooh. So, yeah, maybe the Miz and Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns didn't get all. Well, Roman did, but maybe some people didn't get their come up Maybe AJ and Charlotte didn't, but. No, I want Stephanie to be murdered for what she did. Rhonda certainly got her revenge on Stephanie here. This was a fabulous match. Watching back on it, I just think it's absolutely yeah. fucking perfect I think it's a perfect match to be honest I actually agree I gave it five stars whoa five, yeah. what makes it the perfect match for you is it just it's... that Triple H moment or what is no, it no 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 it's, it's got everything I love it like like you said that, that moment where Stephanie's arm is broken or her fingers are getting snapped it's it's perfect selling it's yeah. one of the best moments ever the angle is great as well like just the general the booking of this was really really good the wrestling is fantastic Ronda is so good they, like, I remember so well seeing this match for the first time and I hated Ronda and I, I still don't like her as a person I say this every time because I feel I have to because everyone's a patron backer where we no. went in if, if you're <laughs> interested to know about you know R- Ronda Rezzi's uh, transphobic and misogynistic comments and our hot takes on those we have spoken at length several times on our patron backing so it's bur- worth bearing in mind if you're not a patron yeah. you might just think Joe's saying Ronda's awesome and thumbs up no, great job don't take me out of the context like that yes I too hate all women <laughs> <laughs> I too think Sandy Hook never happened I too hate basic bitches yes uh, <laughs> Yeah, just the wrestling is amazing. Ronda is is great. She's so fast with her moves. And 
I think she's been a bit sloppy recently in her matches, but this match here, she gets every move in pretty much perfectly. Yeah. And you get to see great wrestling from from Triple H and from Kurt and even some from Stephanie. And it's just a genuinely impressive, perfectly paced match. Like the 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 plot of it is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you could show this match to someone who just maybe knew who Ronda Rousey was and didn't know anyone else, and you would understand Triple H's character, Stephanie's character, them as a team. You'd get this whole wrestling match. I think this would be a great match to show someone who's never seen any wrestling. Yeah. Because you can immediately tell who you're supposed to cheer for. And, and you'd probably not. know who Ronda Rousey is. You've at least heard the name, like. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a fucking great-ass match. And yeah, a year later, it stands the test of time. That's kind of what I wanted to see with going back with this. Was it just we all got whipped up in this fever storm of a really great angle or something exciting and new happening? But no, it really was just a fucking kick-ass match. Yeah. We have talked about the kayfabe career, the behind-the-scenes career, the the real life of Stephanie. It's a huge career. There's probably many moments on the way that we've not talked about that you're probably you know wondering if we'll address. There's a lot of things we're going to talk about now. We're going to get into your tweets and your Facebook messages. You're, you're a true underdog. You know, you're out here and you're riling everybody up. You've got everyone buzzing. You, you have this amazing, tremendous story and what a victory last night. And for that, I do say congratulations, AJ. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. See, I knew you, you I would do. understand. Oh, I understand, but what I don't understand, AJ, is why you perpetuate this stereotype about women that were vicious and conniving and manipulative, that we'd rather tear each other down than build each other up. I mean, what you did to Caitlyn was degrading to women everywhere. It's time, AJ that you start acting like a champion. You know what, Stephanie? I'm sorry. You're right. I, I should be thinking more like you. I should be acting more like you, and instead of, instead of dating superstars, maybe I should marry one. Let's not get started on your daddy issues. I mean, that's a whole other AJ. can of worms. How is it that you so humbly put it before that, that you're brilliant? If you're so brilliant, I would have expected something a little more original. I am original. What I did to Caitlin, that was highly original. That was cunning. That was well-planned, well-executed, months in the making. That was my masterpiece. AJ, you want to give me those crazy eyes? Do you forget who you're talking to? I'm a McMahon. Nobody does crazy better than us. Now, if you want to be a Divas champion, I suggest, like I said before, you start acting like one. So first off, over our Twitter channel, that's at HowToWrestling. First up, we've got one from Illus Claire. I would be far more comfortable admiring her savvy and showbiz survivalism if... You know, politics. She is a cathartic bitch of a performer, I'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's like hitting the nail on the head right there. If I was Stephanie, I would want cathartic bitch of a performer to be my Twitter bio. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I mean, it is worth bearing in mind, like, you know, fair enough, I don't think we've actually mentioned it here, 
But Steph is part of the innermost, highest-ranking corporate structure of WWE. And as a result of that, their hands are dirty on many fronts. Oh, yes. And we talk about progress with women's wrestling. We talk about storylines. Maybe we get bogged down in some of the kind of the, the parts of the show without realizing certain things like the wrestlers are still not looked after in the way they should be. The fact that they're still independent contractors is bollocks. The mm-hmm. whole deal with Saudi Arabia is bollocks. I think there is also a lot of co-option of genuine charitable causes that are maybe not being used entirely for charitable reasons. Well, for marketing. I mean, Steph literally sent a tweet which says, philanthropy is the future of marketing. I know a lot of people will make the point fairly that, that, that that's just corporate life. That is. But I think it's still worth bearing in mind that, yeah, that corporate structure in WWE by no means gets a pass. She's part of that. That's the kind of thing that you might send an internal email to the company. Not Don't tweet. tweet it when you're talking about Connor's cure and everything. That's really tasteless. By the way, that tweet is five and a half years old. When I checked, it's still up on her Twitter bio. So she stands by it, obviously. <laughs> Next up from Pierre Luke. As Stephanie and Triple H have already put themselves in the Becky Ronda feud, I would not be surprised to see either of them put themselves as guest referee in this main event of WrestleMania this year to be in the historic pictures. Ah, yes. Now, this is one now where people are, are, are pointing out a few times where Stephanie is uh, this weird kind of character where she has to be inserted into every historic moment because it's like, we want to have a women's championship again. There's Stephanie, or the first ever women's Hell in the Cell. There's Stephanie. First women pay-per-view. There's Stephanie. Stephanie all over any sort of historic announcement as it relates to women as well. I think you could almost take it as like, well, if Stephanie's not going to make an announcement about it, that match isn't going to be in the main event, is it? Because if it's a historic first for women, Stephanie's going to be there. Mm. I mean... I think more often than not, it's a bit fucking tacked on and obvious, but I've come to realize those parts of the show where Triple H and Steph are there out of character talking about historic firsts and all that, that's not for the wrestling fans. That's for the media and for the people who are going to be interviewing them and the potential advertisers so they can see clips shown at media expos and advertising expos where you can find out all the great work WWE are doing and they can say, we're empowering for women. Look, and here's a lady on the screen in the ring talking about all the great stuff they're doing with women. It it grates me a little bit seeing it on TV all the time, but I know why they do it. Yeah. You know? It doesn't grate me, but then I've been watching wrestling for a lot less of a long time, so yeah. it's not new to me. It's yeah. It's just I'm used to it because it's how it's always been since I've been watching. In fairness, it's it's been at its most prevalent in the last three years where you have been watching so I mean I guess it stands to I think maybe some fans have been watching longer maybe it just sticks in the crawl a little bit not wanting to see Stephanie and Triple H taking credit for things that they feel that they shouldn't necessarily take credit for. Oh, no, that's different. I I mean, Mm. I would agree with that. But there's a difference between being in the picture in the background somewhere and saying the women's revolution is all down to me. And I think what's hard as well is when you have a heel Steph character would be like, it's because of me. And then you'll have in the same fucking promo, she'd be like, it's because of all of you amazing women. It's confusing for fans. that I don't like. And it punishes you for watching more. Yeah, it does. Uh, we got a nice one here from Thane Warren on facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling where hey if you're over there why not leave us an old rating or review you can review our podcast on Facebook and everyone know your thoughts about how to wrestling Thane Warren here saying Steph and the rest of the McMahon family have go away heat for me for me it's like having a beautiful dinner and then you cut into it and it's filled with spiders filled with spiders 
Wow. Do you know what Go Away Heat is? Of course, we talked about it in our very first episode. Yeah, so Go Away Heat for those at home who don't know. So Heat is when you rightfully hate a heel character and you're like, boo, but I want to see them get beaten up. Go Away Heat is when you're like, boo, I wish they weren't on this show because I'm just going to go to the toilet now because I can't be bothered to watch this terrible thing. <laughs> Again, the WWE is a show that punishes you for the longer you watch, the more it'll punish you. Yeah. You know, and I'll tell you what, I'm a full-time wrestling podcaster. I don't watch three-hour Raw on two-hour Smackdown. No, and I, I would strongly yeah. recommend that no one does. Yeah, honestly. And I, I think a lot of the egregious promos, I'm fortunate because they've been edited down into nice little one-minute 30 packages where they realize, yeah, they did talk for an hour too long there, probably. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Next up from Joe Del Toro. I often wonder if Stephanie being the one heel who outshone Triple H in 2000 got to her head. So now she thinks that feuds only matter if she's somehow orbiting them. That said, for as corporate as she is, I do think she wants what's best for the women on the roster. I mean, I think she does as well. But I think the thing with Stephanie is... It's hard to view her as being any sort of a, like... a The word, like... If the word pioneer is used or, you know, advocate. I think she's like... She's like Vince in the sense that if she can test the public mood and she thinks that it is best for business, then it's okay. Mm. I think the fact that it's taken them so long to get there speaks volumes. And she was chief brand officer since 2013. Before that, she was executive vice president of Creative. Mm. So that was around a period of seven or so years where she had the absolute final say, other than Vince, I guess, on Creative and the Creative Direction. So it was under her banner that we had the Divas Championship yeah. and two-minute matches and women not being allowed to throw punches and not being able to have fucking storylines or even get on TV, you know? So Stephanie is not really much of an advocate or wanting what's best when Give Divas a Chance happens under her watch and then two years after that she's like, yes, and now we'll empower women. Mm. It suits them now to empower women. I, you know? I believe that she does genuinely want what's best for the women on the roster, but I also think she doesn't know what that is. And I think like Vince, Stephanie, she doesn't really have her finger on the pulse, as it were, with towards the general zeitgeist of society. Yeah, they're weird alien robots in that sense. They don't know what's going on. I would say that feminism became mainstream in 2012, mm. which is when really, I think, people started publicly identifying as feminist without it being considered like a dirty word. It was like expected at that point. Yeah. That you should you should be a feminist. It's a good thing, not a, not a man-hating, bra-burning, you know, harpy or something like that. So I feel like she does want what's best, but she just doesn't know. She doesn't know. Mm. She hasn't done the research. She's not probably friends with enough actual working women or women of different races and and incomes and backgrounds and cultures that mm. she actually isn't educated enough on it and that's yeah. a that's a big failing for wwe as a whole that's not just stephanie yeah that's a lack of education and as well you know you've you've often pointed out on this show the lack of female writers that WWE has, you know, I think it was revealed, you know, Dana Warrior, the Ultimate Warrior's widow, she is starting a creative position there. And all I heard was, well, there is at least one other woman writer on the show at the moment. But no one knows what her name is. No one knows what her name is. But I, I will tell you, there's at least, uh, during that entire, you know, seven year period, she was head, head, head of creative. I would say if there was any women at all, I would be genuinely surprised. Yeah. Question I have for you off of that. Do you think that big push for for women's wrestling and rebranding and all that, do you think that only came... Because, I mean, the WrestleMania they announced that was the WrestleMania where Ronda showed up with The Rock and mm. they did a little angle there. Do you think it's because they knew Ronda was going to be coming and they would have a main, main event 
huge breakout star like that who goes beyond wrestling and that's why they're like you know what we can push the women now because we have a mainstream star coming in who also happens to be a woman if ronda wasn't coming in do you think they still would have pushed hard for all this women's revolution i have to believe that they would have i don't think they would have because oh. i don't think Vin- vince only responds to what he thinks is star power and i think he doesn't view the women on that level still you yeah, know i don't know i honestly i i couldn't say i hope mm. because society was changing so much around the time when they actually did start taking the women seriously yeah they had to like they were they were reaching the point where they were facing backlash on a on a monthly basis for Mm. how the women were treated so poorly like the give divas a chance movement and when you have a lot of your actual female talent were speaking out at the time you know yes you're the bellas saying i'm proud to be a diva it's awesome like but you had people like aj lee who were speaking out about you know, how shit it was to be yep. uh, working and she was the champion at the time, mm-hmm. like, you know? So, yeah, it took him a while to take notice, I think, even all being said at the end. Next up from more films, the Jekyll and Hyde of wanting to be the bad guy character without getting comeuppance to being a brand ambassador for forward thinking infuriates me. Pick one, but don't be both. Either be a Vince on-air personality or a Linda backstage employee. I don't think he can be both, and that's... That's really? A, that's a failure, because, yeah, because as the brand ambassador, she's going to be on the show. It's like it's like the same thing as, like, Triple H being, like, the head of developmental and at the same time me like, a ruthless authority figure. Do you think that doesn't work for Triple H? I, I think any time Triple H comes out in NXT, it's a little, like, it's a little bit silly. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, like, when, for instance, there was a time when Triple H came out and introduced NXT because he likes to introduce the NXT show, and he had just you know, apparently had his career ended by Roman Reigns the night before and he was still out there and it's like, "Mm, that seems a bit stupid. Mm. But I understand the two of them wear many hats and they both want to wear all those hats. I, in an ideal world, would have them be one or the other, you know? What would you choose them to be then? I think they're probably both better served in their various corporate roles because since Triple H has taken over developmental, yes, the developmental system has gotten far better. Since Stephanie has taken over as chief brand officer, you know, like it or not... The WWE stock has risen and the brand is better. I'd feel less ashamed to be a wrestling fan now than I did then. They have done major image overhaul. I think she's very good at that and she's very successful at that. So if I was to pick between the two, seeing as I've had 14, sorry, not even that, 19, I've had 20 years of Stephanie as an on-air character. I could probably do with her just doing her job. So what about Vince? Because he's both. (laughs) And he has always been both. He has been both. But I don't think Vince's role as being, you know, unquestionable head of everything interferes with his role as unquestionable head of everything on TV. Now, do you think that's just because times have moved on and if you are now a chief of any type of position in a massive company like that, you are expected to be quite forward-facing, quite quite yeah, public-facing. I think so. I mean, Vince, he was the head of the company when it was, you know, a mom-and-pop shop. and you He know, only had to do the occasional inter- sit-down interview, really. Yeah. He didn't have to do, like, live Facebook streams. And I mean, yeah, look at the stuff we see. Now, look at, we've watched, I'd say, at least a dozen videos of, of Stephanie in a, in a very corporate environment talking very, very eloquently in a very inclusive way about wrestling in a way that makes it make sense to everyone. Look at Vince on Bob Costas. Yeah. And that was Vince make, trying to make people understand wrestling in the XFL. And he's slapping the papers out of his hands and shut your goddamn mouth. I'm going to beat your ass. You know? That's that's the difference there is that Stephanie, her character and her real life role are at odds with each other. It wasn't the same with Vince, but it was, as you say, a different time, I guess. So. 
A very interesting one here from uh, James McGlynn, an on-screen character whose work I will always generally enjoy, but cannot stand listening to other fans discuss. A bellwether for misogyny within the wrestling fandom, but it's okay because her surname is McMahon. I was going to say, oh, you'll hate our episode. But actually, I think it's okay. I think we've handled this all right. We've not been too misogynist about Stephanie, have we? Do you think it's a fair point that she, because she's a McMahon, she's oh, strong? Yeah, absolutely. She know. gets. I think she gets a lot harsher treatment than any other woman in the industry. Yeah. I, I wonder if other female villain characters would have had the crowd encouraged to chant slut at them as much, if by, not... By her own father. Yeah. Oh, I mean... There was a whole feud she had with Chris Jericho where the literal, the, the whole point of the feud was that Jericho would think of even worse things to say. He would say, you're a dirty, filthy, flea-bitten, bottom-feeding, trash bag hoe. And it would be like, ow! You know, and then he'd come out and go, you're a disgusting, minging, gutter-dwelling, two cents an hour, fucking sex worker, I hate you. Except he wouldn't use sex worker, I guess. But, yeah. but you know, like, there was whole feuds based around, like, slagging her off and mm. I think it's because you're a McMahon damage you can rise above that yeah you're expected to have skin of steel yeah and when you say like it's okay because your last surname is McMahon I think almost more of that is on Vince yeah him being misogynistic it's okay because you're a McMahon than yeah. maybe fans saying it's okay because you're a McMahon I think yeah both feed into each other sadly <laughs> next up from Charlie Abel Disney bought Fox. Fox is soon going to present SmackDown. In the past, Stephanie McMahon has been called the Billion Dollar Princess <gasps> and has used said moniker on SmackDown. Oh my God. The last owner of ECW was a Disney princess. Oh my God. That is fucking insane. Mind blown. I mean, they do all those like Disney princess dolls and stuff like <laughs> that. And I think the idea of having like a scowling Stephanie one. like Super evil heel Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, with her special neck brace. <laughs> <laughs> Next up from Lesmocon. She's a decent performer who's had a lot of her on-screen career tainted by modern WWE's obsession with heat. Heat. Irregardless of their quality, her constant heel promos running down top baby faces with zero payoff often made Raw a bummer to watch for years. I do think, I mean, Raw was a bummer to watch for years. But I think saying the Raw was a bummer to watch because of Stephanie. That, that's my real kind of, if I can make that one point... So it was just generally shit, guys. It, it was. Like, it really was. I, I did season two of the Attitude Era podcast. We went back and we watched like the, the wrestling that me, Adam, and Billy were watching when we first started doing the Attitude Era podcast. And it was like, you know, 2012, 2013. And it's like, fucking hell. It's so bad. Like, we have a very short memory in, in terms of wrestling. And when you're constantly being disappointed in small ways, as we always are, it's easy to forget just how much worse it was in 2012, folks. That's seven years ago now. It's Stockholm Syndrome, Kevin. It is. It really is. Dylan James here, he spoke basically about, you know, her lack of getting comeuppance and whatnot. But uh, he, he spoke about a few things here towards the end I think is very, very important. Her tweet and philanthropy, the way she compared 9-11 to the steroid scandal that hit the WWF. Also, I believe she was the head writer for SmackDown in 2006. The Batista and Melina false rape storyline will ever fucking haunt me. What? Yeah, they did a thing where Melina seduced Batista backstage. He's like, come on, baby. And she's like, come on, you want to have sex with me? He's like, yeah, okay. And they had sex. And then she was like, well, now that we've had sex, you'll give my boys the match they want, right? And he's like, no, hell no. I just wanted to have sex with you. And then the following week, they had Melina have a press conference saying that she'd been raped by Batista. Now... Again, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned you know earlier, we talked about maybe Stephanie should own some of the storylines she herself has been involved with, mm. you know, and saying, hey, I want better for the women than the matches and things I had to do. 
But you know what? It, we've completely let go by the wayside. Her tenure is creative. All them shocking storylines from around that time. That is, that's on her. Yeah, it's horrifying. It is on her. It's really, really bad. And in a way, you know what? That's in some ways more damaging than fucking Don Marie and Tori Wilson rolling around in pudding. That yeah. fucking false rape storyline, that breeds the real poison haste. Especially that... in an industry where rape is way more pervasive than... Oh, I mean, I was going to say then it should be, but it should never, it never happen in any industry. I mean, you hear stories, you know, yeah, there's it, a number of, of female wrestlers who during alarming. that period have, have come out and said things and they've their stories have not been listened to or followed up and on. I wonder why, maybe because WWE owns the story of all women fake pregnancies and fake to be raped and all women are liars and hate each other, brother. Next up from Jimmy Willie Mack, an excellent businesswoman, a loving mother and wife, a brilliant natural heel, unfairly judged so often because of who her father is. People complain about her being in prominent positions on screen but she draws a reaction consistently and that has value yeah i think that's definitely i mean you're not too many performers who can do that and that's the problem is when people complain about heel authority figures or people complain about certain characters being on screen a lot it's like well they've not got anyone else who they feel confident in and that's not like saying oh there's not enough talent it's again it's the creative process relying on what's worked before and what will get us through and you know, when you hear stories about them rewriting shows and all that, you can see why they fall into what will just work. Let's just fucking do it. It'll yeah. be done then, you know? Next up from Cheese Tom. I love Stephanie. Good at what she does on screen. But often her character seems untouchable. This clip sums up her character's position. How she talks to AJ, Caitlin, and the rest of the wrestlers here never really got addressed. So oh, this God, is a clip yeah. then of AJ Lee, who was the Divas champion at the time. Yes, I've actually going to have included this as the promo before or tweets and Facebook posts. So folks ah. will have heard the incredibly caustic cutting remarks that Stephanie made. And Stephanie's meant to be a heel, but AJ's also the heel and she's the champion. It's very weird. It's gross. What, what is it that she says exactly that's so perturbing? So first up, AJ Lee, she comes out and cuts a bit of a heel promo saying, I'm the most courageous, brave, hardworking, ambitious woman that the WWE has ever seen. Which, right. First off, I want to give credit to not mentioning beautiful. There's yeah. nothing in there <laughs> about her looks. It was purely about her ability. I she's think, a heel. Boo. Boo. Talk about your looks. Talk Boo. about how fit you are. <laughs> Show us your tits. It'd be like in the streets, but if someone was really fit, but by gosh, they didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to fucking, I'd throw up all of my beans and plenty of fried tomatoes after that. And then AJ Lee says, and if there's any woman who thinks that she can dare compete with my levels of bravery, then I encourage her to come out now. And then no one comes out and she goes, that's what I thought. And then Stephanie comes out. With her music where it's like, I'm the bravest woman and also the coolest. Also, I'm a ninja and I'm also from the future and I'm really cool and rich and powerful and beautiful. I'm Pablo Escobar. (laughs) (laughs) The new season of Narcos is totally going to about Steph. (laughs) And Steph comes out she just she cuts her down she's like i cannot believe that you perpetuate these stereotypes about women being vindictive and hateful and only out to hate one another and always pitting women against each other and you're just an embarrassment for women you're overall. a bad feminist yeah pretty much which considering all aj lee said was how brave and ambitious and courageous she was which you know they're pretty uh, that's not anti-feminist to say you believe that about yourself no it's it's empowering it's actually yeah it is quite empowering and then stephanie just comes out and she just like rips her to shreds as you will have all heard and that's maybe it's probably more of an obvious thing there when she's doing it with a woman almost because Mm. that's the type of thing she would often do with with a lot of the the male characters but like that, I, whenever I saw that, I go, 
AJ Lee and Stephanie, I'm excited. It's going to be a great match. But nothing nothing came of it. Yeah. And it was, again, just them throwing shit up against a wall. And it's the tone of the promos where it's like, know your role. Yeah. This isn't who you're meant to be. And when you're like watching a show where you're struggling to find good guys who've got any, or bad guys even, who've got any sort of a momentum behind them. And you have people coming at constantly who aren't wrestlers saying, no, not like that. You're not doing it right. Know your role. To me, the worst thing about that whole segment is the is knowing what came after it with the Give Divas a Chance movement. Yeah. When AJ Lee spoke very publicly about how the women weren't paid equally, how they weren't given the same opportunities, how badly they were treated compared to the men. The amount of time that they're given. Exactly, you know, yeah. A yeah. lot of really fair criticism that she came out with. And she addressed it directly to Stephanie, saying that Stephanie was mostly to blame for this. And Stephanie never said anything back, but suddenly then, that was when they were all, oh yes, and I've brought women forwards into this new era of women's wrestling. And Stephanie taking a lot of credit for it, which is really insulting when you look at this segment and she's calling AJ Lee a bad woman and a bad feminist. Really, the roles are the other way around. AJ, it's funny, like, you... When you watched that segment earlier, you were like, I don't think I've ever seen anything of AJ Lee. And it's I've like, not. Yeah, well, she's been, you know, and she was only left maybe a few months before you started yeah. watching. And yes, a lot of that is probably to do with, with CM Punk and whatnot. But man, they've effectively written her out of history. Seeing as, yeah, they've mentioned Give Divas a Chance every now and then. But they make out that it was a fan thing that just started. It but, absolutely was not just a fan thing. AJ yeah. Lee was the fire beneath the fans. I feel like I've let you down as as a as as showing you stuff as a new fan that you know so little about AJ Lee and I feel that maybe an episode on her should be kind of brought forward almost oh, that'd be because great. I loved that. Yeah, it's just shocking to think. Like, yeah, I mean I, I was like had to remind myself, yeah, she was pretty much lit that match. Like, you know, she is, deserves a lot of credit for it. And yeah, all she got for it was to be uh I mean I hate using people always use the word demasculate. And I don't, I don't sure if that's an appropriate word to use. Yeah, chumpetize might be a more inclusive term that we could mm. use. I don't like when Steph chumpetizes people like she that. Just cut her down, basically. Yeah. cut her down to size. What a great feminist she is, huh? Mm. Oh, I have to mention this. John Rhodes picked it up here. The Kurt Angle just good friends romance angle, which was a storyline that lasted. All in all, around eight or nine months in total in the background when Steph and Triple H first got together. And they were like booking matches and stuff. That's when Kurt Angle debuted. And she started putting Kurt in like some matches that were kind of to his favor. And she'd say things like, I don't know, I think that Kurt Angle's a little bit kind of cute. Like in a teasing way to Triple H. He'd be like, oh, all right, I see what you mean there. Yeah, yeah. And the Triple H was a little bit paranoid. And this like went on over months and months and months. To the point where then Steph actually like started being in tag matches with Kurt and started managing Kurt a little bit and Kurt started hugging her and like, you're such a good friend, Steph. And it was the very creepy, you know, goofy, innocent Kurt, but he'd always go for that hug. And like Steph got knocked out once on a ring apron and he like, he he took her backstage and gave her a kiss like when she was waking up and he kept implying that they were just good friends. This is building up this huge, big like love triangle like where Triple H was like, you're gonna have to choose between me and him, which is it? And they cut the storyline short without any real payoff. And I quote... Triple H said that he didn't think it was believable for the fans that Stephanie would be interested in Kurt Angle. Why? Because he's with Triple H. And Triple H is so hot, right? Why would she- I mean, I would say, I would almost agree, but not because Triple H is hot. Fucking Triple H, no way. Ah, sorry. <laughs> Have you seen him in a tuxedo? <laughs> Some of the ugliest wrestlers in the world. Yeah. But 
they have incredible charisma. They obviously love each other. That's why I'd argue it doesn't make Yeah, sense. but don't... I mean, it's a story that's been built for months and months and months and it's ended completely out of nowhere yeah. because, of, you know, he clearly just got a bit intimidated by it, I think. So yeah. you think it was just Triple H vetoing it? Yeah, it was. It oh absolutely was. Yeah, he totally did. And it was actually one of the most compelling storylines of that year, I think. Yikes. Go on here from WWE Butch. I think she is a clear example of capitalism eating up social movements. She is the most dangerous McMahon in terms of progress because she will pretend to be progressive for money and fuck minorities when it's most profitable. God damn, yes. That is fucking... Took, that's very true. Like, yeah, absolutely. But she, she's got the savviness. She, unlike Vince, we were saying earlier that that great tweet someone sent in about the the analogy about the the two hundred and the one hundred. She, she may not be as crazy as Vince, but she is still, you know, she's got that fucking shark inside of her. Yeah. You know, it's profit, it's money, it's business. It's the end of the day. She best wants for that. business. Best for business. It's not just a catchphrase in wrestling. It runs she, through their veins. Yeah, and there's no decision that they don't make where fairness or equality or emotion will always take a back seat to profit and that is why we go to Saudi Arabia every year now you know that's just the way it is I mean that, that's really it though if you really think about it if you yeah. want to have it I mean I, and we've made a lot of arguments for, for good stuff that Steph has done and she has been a force for good in some respects and she has contributed to the women's revolution or evolution that's undoubtedly even if that contribution is just she's put a good corporate face on it and she can mm. talk well about it to different companies and different media outlets that's fine But Saudi Arabia this week, like literally there's women who've just been indicted and sent to jail because they were talking to human rights organizations on the internet about the treatment of women in Saudi Arabia. And they're going to jail for that. You know, yeah, women are allowed to drive cars now. Awesome. Those are the women who were trying to get the laws changed so that women could drive cars. They still torture women for doing that in Saudi Arabia. You know, yeah. And it's, I hate that WWE have taken part in that. And Stephanie is just as culpable as Vince or any other member of that corporate structure. And that makes you a bad feminist. (laughs) Next up from Rep Alec. It's a real complicated road with Stephanie because while I do believe that the shows are better to have her, she has just this kind of inescapable fakeness to what she says. And to an extent, it kind of works for her still as it's kind of her character. She's definitely her father's daughter because she's willing to eat crow. See Stephanie being fired after Survivor Series and Vicky Guerrero dumping Steph in a mud pool after being fired. Steph, Daddy, I don't want to see you die. Daddy, I love you. It was Shane who did. <laughs> and like her brother, isn't exactly awful in the ring. See her versus Brie or versus Ronda and Kurt. Yeah, I think the fakeness, that's a very interesting one. And I think it's maybe it comes from being a brand officer where you have to do a lot of that corporate speak. But it does come across in the character a lot and yeah. sometimes a bit much. Adam from the Attitude podcast recommended if you want a nice dose of cringy Steph corporate talk, her live podcast appearance with Chris Jericho on the network. It is so fucking toe curling. It's ugh. really it's just like, oh, of course. Well, as you know, the brand of the company at that time was different. And that is why we had some wild times where you call me <laughs> certain words. What were those words, Steph? Was it a hoe? Was it a slut? Was it, you know, it's just mm. the gloss. You know, it's the reason I started the Outro podcast was a response to the glossing over. And Stephanie, I think every time she opens her mouth to an extent, I get that same kind of like WWE paving over history. This is the version of events spoken eloquently in a clear voice. And I don't like that. It does rub me the wrong way. And it's funny because it's only happened to her since 
since her 11 year gap yeah it was only after that that she came back with this kind of weird fakeness to her before then she was honestly one of the best actors i think in in the wwe i think the difference between being in the writer's room and pitching stories and being with all the wrestlers and being the creative process to then being you know at expos and media conventions yeah. and you know conference calls and investors and just rubs you know, off on you i guess i think she's just become more corporate that is her life now Jamie Hines. She invented women. And as I like women, that's a pretty strong positive for me. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair point, yeah. Where were you then when Stephanie invented women? Not existing somewhere, I imagine. Oh, yes. I only appeared into existence after she invented me. (laughs) Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Steph. One from Jonathan Chisholm here. Two things. One, do you ever think you will ever do a How To Linda McMahon episode? You know, to complete the family. Two, my favourite thing about Steph is her slap and her increasingly gangster theme songs. Well, not just the the, the gangster theme songs, not just to like... To 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 Literally the point. Mobster. Literal monsters yeah. like, you know, I'm Don Corleone, you know, I'm Tony Soprano, Funky Mama Sara. Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, if Stephanie has another theme song after this one i shudder to think what it's going to be like you know it's going to compare us up to biggie smalls or something like that (laughs) next up from shrubber lubber two things one there's a minute long video on youtube of her interrupting and annoying triple h it's awesome oh yeah adam told us about this yeah i really want to see it we're trying to source that for some recommended viewing on the how2wrestling.com so some bonus viewing will be up there we should hopefully find that for you guys Two, I can't help but dance to her theme. It's amazing. I'm sorry, I I can't dis- I can't agree with you. I no. hate her theme. Sorry, please never tweet this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Take your tweets and go. One from Booster Gold BB. I'm a recent wrestling watcher, so I don't have her past built into my watching her performance. She comes off as a bizarre matron figure, one who has an air of being sinister, but mostly just overbearing and controlling. I haven't ever seen evil Stephanie. I think uh, her best days as a heel are behind her. I would love to bring back proper heel Stephanie. Honestly, I would. Really? And I think I'm in the minority there. I loved seeing her as an... Yeah, Seriously, if you've not seen Evil Stephanie, go back and watch some Evil Stephanie because it's like the best of her career. My absolute all-time guilty pleasure wrestling angle that I absolutely loved and I fucking thought was great and everyone hated was right after that wedding storyline where they they had the the renewal ceremony and then they broke up. Triple H then won the Royal Rumble and he was going to challenge Chris Jericho, the bad guy for the championship at WrestleMania. And Stephanie was going through the divorce of Triple H at the same time. So you had a series of events where Triple H and Stephanie were at odds with each other with this divorce. And everyone hated it because it's like, it's meant to be Jericho and Triple H WrestleMania. Why are we talking about Stephanie's car and her dog and stuff? (laughs) But it was great because Stephanie was like, I'm getting my Corvette in the settlement. And that's that. Triple H's like, you're getting half of everything. That's what the lawyers have agreed. And that is why I've brought you your Corvette. She's like, half of a Corvette. Yeah, she sees the, the half where it's fine. She's like, oh my God, yeah. And then she turns around, the other half is missing. She's like, eh. And then she makes Chris Jericho, the undisputed champion, go out and buy her special lotion, which Triple H then replaces with another lotion, which then gives her hives. And we have a, a whole match where Stephanie is in... Special hives lotion? I don't What's know. What's potion that gives you hives? If you know what Stephanie's allergic to, I guess. Ah. Which he did. And then you had a whole match where Stephanie was in the corner of Chris Jericho covered in hives going, Get her, Chris! Yeah! 
Oh my god. And Jim Ross is like, back god, this vile woman with her disgusting halves. Yikes, Jim Ross. I know, they were like, oh, good lord, what's she doing? And then she wanted her, d- and then turned Triple H feuded over the dog. I- I'm gushing, yes. And this was meant to be the main event of WrestleMania 18. And it was hideous, but I loved it. <laughs> Sean Buck. I'd like to hear Joe's reaction on the numerous times she's been forced to be kissed by someone. It's like a running theme in her career. Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, Eric Bischoff, Randy Orton. Is it like her fetish or Vince's? Uh, answer, Vince's. Definitely Vince's, yep. But yeah. I mean, it's not happened to her much recently. It's so weird when it happens, like, even during the ad era where you'll have, like, Jericho will be like, Great, come here, baby, and he grabs her and kisses her. And then Jim Ross is like, Yeho! Stephanie getting kissed there. And like not even the announcers are like can say it's okay. It's so fucking weird. The crowd's like, yes, kiss her, yes. Ooh, fucking weird. My stomach's just turning. When Eric Bischoff kissed, oh, kissed her. He was wearing a Vince McMahon mask because no! it was Halloween. That's no, so no, weird. No, the man who tried no, to destroy your no. father dresses your father, kissing you as his father against her will as well. Yeah. She was dressed as a witch. I'm sure Erica was okay with that. I like. feel like in kayfabe, Stephanie needs therapy. Yeah, absolutely. That's the one thing I don't like about her being this really refined, cool corporate <laughs> character. She should be like a really fucking, yeah. like, you know, through all this fucking crazy shit, she should be a fucking maniacal evil character who's been fucked over so many times. I think have her, like, want to kill all the men on the show, like, because of all the times <laughs> this shit's happened to her, like. Yeah. One from Carnane. She was a great baby face at her introduction and her betrayal of her dad, who at this point had ordered her torture and kidnapping. It was more nuanced storytelling than a lot of the rest of the Attitude Era. Oh, and her hype package for Mania 34 is money. Oh yeah, absolute money. <laughs> so, so good. One now from Brian Settles 88. Stephanie McMahon fascinates me. She is one part reasonable businesswoman, one part carny. And she's been able to flip that switch on a dime for as long as I can remember. Maybe even longer. She's definitely much better than Vince's. Because Vince, as soon as he gets angry, boom, carny. All the fucking pretense of it being corporation or anything like that. That's why Vince doesn't just doesn't do interviews really anymore he's rubbish at them Stephanie is so uh, people have used the word sociopath to describe her her way to just effortlessly weave in WWE speak and versions of events with real life stuff Mm. like you know the fact that she's able to do that without even blinking well she's been practicing a long time since (laughs) 9-11 well 9-11 was nothing there was this one time in 1993 where some people tried to arrest a man they thought was distributing steroids that was the real trauma (laughs) I don't think America's ever really recovered from that I never really processed what happened back in 93 you know Sam Hayden here over on Facebook someone I personally cannot stand every time they bring her on to comment in a documentary she tells that WWE version of events rather than her actual point of view it's almost like she's been broken inside by the trauma of being Vince's daughter and she cannot let the real Stephanie speak out also whenever there's a photo opportunity look at her facial expressions every fake expression she makes is so forced again I think she may be a sociopath that's really interesting and leads on to the next tweet I wanted to read another sociopath Not sociopath, but it's in regards to her actual beliefs. So this one's from Steve W. Morris. She's the one person in charge of WWE who's been able to completely hide her actual thoughts from the public. We know the wrestlers and narratives that Triple H and Vince like, but what does Stephanie actually like? That's true. You never see her push a particular wrestler, only the WWE product. And I've heard so many times of creative writers who've left since, or wrestlers talking about the creative process, 
And I very rarely, if ever, have heard of any instances of Stephanie being like, this is Stephanie's pet project, this storyline, this is hers, she likes this. You know, Vince likes the big guys, Vince likes ominous building up of big characters, Triple H likes it to be presented like it was in the 80s, a little bit more, the, the suit and tie, the, the well-to-do... Uh, champion metallica music men with long blonde ponytails the forgotten sons essentially <laughs> like if you want to see what triple h likes watch nxt but stephanie the only thing i know that is i could put my hat on and say is a stephanie creative decision is stardust cody rhodes gimmick wow where cody rhodes is now this is bad because joe and i quite like stardust i loved stardust cody rhodes has probably made a great post WWE career for himself actively hating on stardust and you know what if you don't like it you don't like what's given to you i totally understand that mm. and it's when your character is taking directions you don't like i can only imagine how frustrating it is but he did say in an interview like steffi was like why don't you you know because they were doing trying to pay homage to, to each other and stuff like that she wanted there to be more of a connection between cody and Goldust when they were tagging together against the authority so she said why not paint up like uh, like Goldust and then be Stardust? And that apparently caused a lot of issues between them because Jericho, apparently offhandedly, when he saw Stardust do his first promo, he was like, "Wow, you're doing you're doing it better than Goldust." And that apparently caused a huge wedge between uh, Cody wow. and Goldust for a little bit. That he felt very threatened that they were taking his gimmick away and giving it to someone younger and you know maybe more in their mold of things god but yeah very very good points yeah. stephanie mcmahon what does she like mm-hmm. this is part of the reason why i'd love to have an autobiography from her because i'm sure there must be bits in there about what she likes what's her favorite match yeah you know again but we talked about this on vince even though we know thematically things that vince likes we know that vince doesn't sit down and watch wrestling unless no. he's doing it through the headsets and I, again, would like to know, what is Vince McMahon's favourite match of all time? Like, what, What's a great match for him? I had to know dribs and drabs from him, but nothing from Steph. No. That's so weird. It's bizarre. Fucking hell. Final one now from WWF Facts. I truly don't understand why people dislike her so much. Yes, she crowbars herself into every major announcement with the women's evolution, but she's doing so in character as a power-hungry egotist. She rarely, if ever, involves herself in the storylines with women. Only men's narratives. We know what Triple H and Vince look for in potential stars and who they like to push, but Stephanie's preferences are less clear, and this makes her a more nuanced person, if not a character. She's great at making people hate her on her terms. Oh man, fucking excellent point. Hating her on her terms. That yeah. is like If people are going to hate her, at least she has control over why they hate her. Yeah, she really is. What was it that Claire said? A cathartic A cathartic bitch of a performer. Yeah, absolutely. On her terms for, for real sense. <laughs> Wow, it's been uh, it's been quite a trip talking about Stephanie McMahon uh, Levesque. Fun fact: her actual name now is Stephanie McMahon Levesque. She didn't take. It's not McMahon Levesque as in a surname. No, Levesque. She took Triple H's surname, then she legally changed her middle name to McMahon. So mm. she's still. So she is Stephanie McMahon Levesque. You should do that because my last name is Graham, and it makes quite a nice middle name. Kevin Graham Mann. Yeah. Yeah, that works. We've been, we've been, sorry, we've been like actively just like planning wedding and li- li- later life stuff here, but like it's something we struggled with. Yeah, we've no idea what to do. Like if you have any ideas, folks at home, for, I don't want to take Kevin's name, but it's, it's complicated, isn't it? It's, it is difficult because being a teacher, you will get, I, I will tell you right now, the kids who got double barred names, they get judged. And also <laughs> McMahon Graham sounds awful. And Mahan Graham. Sorry, <laughs> talking too much about Stephanie. Mahan Graham sounds awful. It does, and Graham Mahan sounds somehow even worse. I don't know, but as a middle name? As a middle name, though, I think it's all right, mm. Graham. And to be honest, I think Mahan as a middle name is all right. Yeah? 
people just want to it's the double barreled I don't I don't like yeah. let's just let's just put off getting married until we figure that much out <laughs> like you know until we figure out who I'm going to wrestle okay who's going to sing together forever together <laughs> we should sing it together forever <laughs> well that's like the corniest thing you could do at your own sing wedding together and I know that Kevin and Joe have written their own vows in song <laughs> together <laughs> forever the my uh, pride and joy by the way my secret ability is being able to sing deliberately really out of tune oh ma- imagine you'll lose that someday and then you'll start singing in tune it'd be horrible like what <laughs> you won't have your skill anymore you'll just be a singer like a freak like <laughs> okay so we talked about Stephanie McMahon it's been a heavy going episode I feel like scooped out and hollowed out inside like I'm making an avocado mash next episode we are going to be talking about something that is in some way self-indulgent But in every single way, it sums up what is great about wrestling, the wildness and the weirdness of both the Hulkamania era and the Attitude era. Joe, for our next episode, I have one bit of advice for you. If you ever take a trip down to Cobb County, Georgia, just read the signs, respect the law and order, because you'll be serving hard time. Our next episode is all about the big boss man. And I am so excited to talk to you about want to see one of my favorite characters and performers in wrestling ever what do you know about the boss man already uh i know that he i mean we did a bit in russo didn't yes, we yes he stole al snow's cute dog <laughs> called fluffy or snowball pepper or pepper that was it poor pepper and then he took him to a chinese restaurant and got him turned into chinese food and then fed him to al snow joe what if i told you that was by no way at all the most egregious thing that the big boss man did i know he's done something involving someone's mother <laughs> at a funeral something to do with, i've seen a clip of him pulling around a coffin yeah he, he behaves badly this lad he's pretty 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 <laughs> nasty character so we are after your tweets your thoughts your memories and most importantly your match recommendations about the big boss man the big man from Cobb County, Georgia, twirling his nightstick and looking menacingly in this artwork that Dan has done. Please go over to HowToWrestling.com and check out the artwork now. It is so fucking awesome. Look at that and don't hear his music playing in your head. I double dare you. You absolutely will. So yes, we want to know, not just from the Attitude Era and the kind of swap boss man, I want to show Joe classic Hulk Hogan era boss man as well when he was the large man who was uh, all about law and order. Paul Blart Mulcock. <laughs> He's all about law and order and respecting my mama. <laughs> he had some choice words about Bobby Heenan as it related to his Ooh, mama. Oh, I like. can't so, wait. A lot of exciting times. And it's going to be very interesting to see a character whose career spit across two very distinct eras. The cartooniness of the Hogan time and also the kind of in-your-face aggressive cartooniness of Vince Russo attitude era. I am so excited. It's going to be great. Make sure you use the hashtag HowToBossMan. Let us know your thoughts on the big boss man. Thank you everyone so much for all of your tweets about Stephanie McMahon. It's been a difficult one to discuss. Yeah. And I think had we not had the tweets to guide us at the end there, I feel the conversation may have been 
one-sided woodway shape or form. I think we've gotten a balanced enough look at Stephanie. I hope so, but we're not the ones to say, I guess. Yeah, and of course, you can always continue the conversation using the hashtag HowToStephanieMcMahon. It's certainly a character who we will probably revisit at some point as we go forward with our How To Revisited series. And hey, just a quick little shout-out at the end here as we're wrapping up before next episode. If you want to help out How To Wrestling in a massive way and you're on Stitcher or on iTunes, anywhere where you can leave a rating or review, those ratings and reviews mean the absolute world to us, folks. It helps more people see the podcast. It helps more people get eyes on new episodes. And it helps us with the old algorithm. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, let us know your thoughts and leave a rating or review on iTunes, on Stitcher, or as we mentioned previously, also now at Facebook.com forward slash Wrestling. But until next time, we're talking about the big boss, man. It's going to be a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on Where to Wrestling. Damn! See ya!